these knights are a vital component of the Tagmata that protect Forge and Fane. Yet despite their pride, they are but one tool among many, and they will bend to the Omnisai's will or be broken by it. Good evening and welcome to The Loaded Dice, the podcast that always rolls box cars. I'm Doug. And I'm Andrew. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> uh, same as normal, busy, but, you know, reasonably reasonably happy. I got to paint some stuff just before we started, so that's good. That's um, a good way to spend your evening. It is, it is. Good. Uh, All these yeah. people that don't have kids that <laughs> you have to try and put them to sleep like 80 times. Yep. That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, excellent. So anything anything new and exciting happening? Not particularly, to be honest. I've spent most of this week flat on my back in bed. Um, <laughs> I've been incredibly sick. The, um, <sighs> the massive concoction of uh, cold and flu tablets that I mentioned two weeks ago actually did nothing. Um, a little bit like the goggles. Yep. Um, and as a result, I, yeah, no, ended up with... Um, and still to some extent have a really bad case of uh, Nurgle's rot in my lungs. So um, that's awesome. And I've actually been so, like, I, I was sort of, like, really sick over the weekend. And I was like, okay, look, I can't go to work on Monday and Tuesday. It's just not going to happen. Mm. And I'll infect my entire workforce. And I already had somebody off sick last week as well. And <laughs> so I was like, oh, that'll be good. I might be able to get some painting done. I was so <laughs> sick. Like, I actually tried picking a paintbrush up on, like, Monday and, like, sitting down and, like, I couldn't, like, my eyes wouldn't focus and then, like, my hand didn't want to, like, work and I'm just like, nah, fuck this, I'm going back to bed. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad. It was really terrible. And then it made, made matters worse was my wife was actually sick at the same time. But she went to the doctor on, like, Saturday. Yep. Uh, and I wasn't as bad as what she was on Saturday, but I was still pretty bad. So I was like, no, it's fine. I'll just get over it. And so when I finally made it to the doctors the other day, he's just like, why the hell didn't you just get the medication on Saturday? You'd be over it by now. I'm like, oh, okay, great. That makes me feel so much better. Yeah, thanks. That's what I want to hear. Sorry, um, other than that, uh, everything's been really great. Nice. I've had some, uh, I've had some pretty awesome stuff drop from Games Workshop, which is uh, always nice. Uh, and we've had a few things sort of uh solidify uh for next year which is uh which is kind of cool um and a little bit of gaming in the last two weeks as well for me which is always Ooh. a welcome welcome diversion yeah that's exciting it's good i look forward to how, hearing about that a bit more how about yourself how's life yeah good busy lots of um uh, we, were, we were chatting before we before we started but i've got um well, I have uh, lots of colleagues sick at the moment, which means I've picked up a lot of extra teaching hours uh, over the last fortnight. More, in fact, than I think um, TAFE policy actually allows me to take. Uh, so I have been flat chat teaching for the last two weeks and have barely touched a brush, uh, which is a shame, uh, but still managed to somewhere in there finish off all of my unmade for, for the tournament the other weekend. Uh, and paint two Aeronautica Imperialis planes. So I guess I still have a little bit of painting time. Um, but certainly less than I would normally have, and certainly no commission time, because all of my all of my business hours were sort of taken up with, with TAFE stuff. Um, but that's... So the plane's but, working. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we, we've, everybody got together, and there was kind of a petition to TAFE to get you more teaching hours, so you could stop painting so fucking fast. 
We're sick of it. This is an incident. Yeah, that's right. You've, uh, you've slowed me down a little bit. Well played, well played. But that finishes this week. So uh, after I crash over the weekend and and uh, recover, refill the tanks, I'll be back at it and cranking out armies in a week. And uh, you can't stop me. Well, I'll come and cough on you then. Mm, please don't. I would like to be well for the next few weeks, please. Although I can already feel something in the back of my throat, so maybe, maybe excellent is coming. Mm. Excellent, excellent. <laughs> no, no, that's 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 horrible to say. It's, it's it's not nice. Um, get go and see your doctor immediately. Leave now. Yeah, apparently. I, I, let's record first, and then I'll go see the doctor. Um, on the upside, my phone has just told me that I've uh, achieved my move minutes for today, so that's good. Uh, what are move minutes? Uh, it's like the the Google Health. Achievement unlocked for taking 10,000 steps in a day. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, so that's nice. My... Just to be completely off topic, I don't think my phone even has that sort of thing on it. Really? Yeah, I went looking for it the other day. Um, so instead, actually, this is something, and I don't like some people, like I was talking to people and they didn't know that this actually happens. Have you got Google Maps on your phone? Yes. Yeah. You use it, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. So you have to obviously have like location services turned on and all that sort of stuff. Did yeah. you know that you can go back through your, your history of Google Maps and it maps out even if you're not using Google Maps? Like it just constantly maps where you are? I sure did. Yeah, tons of people did not know that. It um, it occasionally sends me a message that's like, you're July in review. See where yeah, you went. Yeah, See yeah. how long yeah. you spent there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So like I had... um. And this has got nothing to do with wargaming, but hey, it's, it's, it's hilarious. So it's called your timeline, and you, you go into Google Maps, and mm -hmm. you press like the, the three little horizontal lines up in the top left-hand corner, and you go to your timeline. Um, and you go back, and you can have a look at it, and it's kind of like, you know, it'll give you like time on time and distance in the car, on public transport, walking, all this sort of stuff. The really hilarious thing is that, um, because my wife and I um, run a business together, right? Um, and we have to kind of cover each other's like email accounts occasionally, um, mm -hmm. because if she's not at work, I need to see like stuff coming in vice versa. Um, which means we're both logged into each other's accounts on our phones. So <laughs> I occasionally have days where I, <laughs> I walk like 800 kilometers in a day <laughs> because it'll have me walking around the CBD for something. And then my wife will like go out for a drive and she'll offend my email accounts. So that's what's on open on Google maps. And all of a sudden, it thinks I've gone, <laughs> I've gone from Sydney CBD all the way out to the southwest and then back again inside of like two minutes. And it keeps doing that trip. So it thinks I'm just like teleporting between it, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. So I get that, um, I get that like month in review post from Google. And it was like, congratulations, you spent, you know, 800 hours in a car this month, which is about normal for me. And then it's like, but you walked. Ten and a half thousand kilometers. It's just like, what the fuck? What the fuck is going on? And you open it and you just have these days. And then I have other days where it's like, you know, you manage to walk like, you know, 300 meters and it's just literally around my house. And then you'll see this little spike. And I've obviously walked outside to the car on my driveway and back into the house again. <laughs> So yeah, uh, if anybody didn't know that, if you've got Google Maps and you've got your location services turned on, it is just constantly, constantly tracking you. Yeah. Um, uh, but if you if you cover it in tinfoil, it won't do it. 
Uh, yeah, that's true, I guess. Although, it, I believe it can track the tinfoil now. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Getting sneaky. Yeah. Keeps track of you even when you're outside a reception range and then just uploads it all later. Just smash your phones, people. Yeah, pretty much. Chuck them out the window. There is no way to be off the grid. I guess this is kind of our Beyond the Rift now. Hey, um, there's, there's no way to be <laughs> off the grid anymore. Well, I, I I did read like ages ago, and I did say that we weren't going to do off. Well, no, we decided we weren't going to do Beyond the Rift, but this will be really quick. Um, so there was a, I remember reading, as I've heard it or, or read it, and it was about this person, I think they were a journalist, hmm. and they had tracked down these people, like all these different people that had like faked their own death and like tried to go off grid for a variety of different reasons. Hmm. Um, like apparently like the most common reason is basically um, like, you know, getting out of debts, trying to get away from family and like, you know, spouses, um, yep. things like that. Um, and then there's like other things like, you know, actually running away from the law um, <laughs> and whatnot. And she she found all these people and then she basically put together this book that was like the best way, like like how you actually do that, how you go off the grid and make yourself disappear, taking all like these bits and pieces from these people. Um, and, and like it was apparently it's just the most, like the most basic stuff is the most important stuff. And it was mm. things like just cash. Yep. Do not use anything other than cash um, for anything. And then it was like, um, you know, you have to like the big things are like you have to let passports and um, driver's licenses lapse. Um, yeah. She was a, she was an American, I'm pretty sure. So she was saying like um, a, a big problem that you've got is obviously like social security numbers which I guess in Australia, the closest thing we have is like a Medicare number, except their social security number does so much more for them. And she was saying that like, um, there are ways to actually ditch your social security number. I can't remember how you do it, but there, there are ways you can actually have yourself removed for like, you can opt out of it. And then you have to let it, like you give it like three years or four years. And she was saying that most people that do it and get away with it and are quite successful, um, they plan it for years. Yeah, you'd um, imagine so. And it's like, because like you have to stock cash and you have to be able to do a bunch of other things. And she was saying that it's like, um, you know, obviously if you can leave the country you're in and you can go to a, and you can get away. So basically like for America, um, you don't go to Canada, you go to Mexico. Yep. And then you travel on from, from there um, and things like that. Like, like, there were just, like, a whole lot of, like, different crazy things. But she was saying that, you know, more and more, like, she said, you can't use air travel. So, for, like, Australians, it's really difficult to do because you have to go out through airports, which means yep. you need travel documents and all sorts of stuff. Um, but she was, uh, yeah, she was saying, like, obviously, like, yeah, facial recognition and fingerprinting and all that sort of stuff. Like, it's so, like, so incredibly difficult to get around these days. Mm-hmm. Um She's saying, like, once upon a time, you could basically go and, like, hire a boat in, like, Florida and get them to drop you off in Cuba and you could disappear really quickly. Yeah. So, yeah. No, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of, you know, yeah. But definitely, like, no smartphones, mm-hmm. uh, no social media, none of that sort of stuff. You've got to 
got to break all of that and then yeah maybe you can kind of get away with it yep basically but yes tricky tricky these days which is why like it's always interesting when people are like i don't want google knowing where i am i'm like there's no way to avoid google knowing where you are yes (laughs) it's fine google already knows everything about you just embrace it yeah i I sort of yeah like like like, i think i've said this before the only thing that generally used well used to scare me because i don't have facebook anymore was when you dreamt about something and then the next morning facebook was sending (laughs) you adverts of it that's the only thing and that actually happened that's the only thing that's ever freaked me out yep but that's fair (laughs) yeah what about you doug have you got anything for beyond the rift not really. I did have a retract. Well, maybe not a retraction, but a correction from last week. Um, we got excited about the Mandalorian. We uh, did, which is great. I'm still excited. Exactly as am I. But I have a a correction to issue. It's not actually IG88 in the in the trailer. Uh, it is IG11. How could you mislead us like that, Doug? I know. It's yeah. My apologies. I did not have all the facts, and I spoke without uh, without researching properly. I wanted to be first, not right, um, and I was neither. And so I apologize wholeheartedly. Well, there you go. Um, he'll be flagellating himself in the uh, the village square later on for anybody that wants to go yeah. and fruit at him. Um, and he deserves it. All the, yes, that's right. I've replaced all the blades in my hobby knife. Uh, and will be embracing my inner unmade and removing my face publicly uh, in a couple of weeks. Well, no, the unmade would enjoy that. Ah, you've seen through my plan. Yes, and you're not allowed to enjoy that. Okay, I will sit around and not remove my face. Yes, better. uh, Which will be sad. Yeah. No, should be good. But yes, that's that's my only correction. It's it sounds like they're trying to make it completely new characters for the Mandalorian, so that it's not like. No, that's cool. like, like, oh, that's yeah. that guy from that thing with the stuff. Um, oh, hang on, but he's not doing that thing he did in that comic. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's actually a pretty smart move. <laughs> yeah. I, I think the only thing that I would maybe want would be like a cameo from someone like Bosk. Right? Yeah. Like you drop in like one random bounty hunter for like a scene in an episode and then they part ways again. Yeah. Or like, I don't know, make thrawn just a constant throughout the series that'd be cool well there's been there's been some theories that the mandalorian because the the (laughs) sorry i listened to a few star wars podcasts so we might go a little bit further beyond the rift um uh uh, there's a there's a at what was it one of the conventions they showed some extra footage um and it turns out the mandalorian's being paid to track someone down and there's lots of theories about is it uh, some of the characters from Rebels who survived through it. Is okay. it Ray or Ray's parents that he's tracking down? Um, my favorite fan theory is that it's Thrawn that he's been paid to track down. Because um, Thrawn kind of like doesn't he take like a fleet or something and bugger off? Uh, are we doing spoilers for Rebels? It's been what like look, I haven't watched it, but it's been out for a long time. I think we're good. But Disney Plus is out in like three months, and then you'll all be able to watch Rebels again. But spoilers for the the last <laughs> season of Rebels. Um, so in the in the original, like the expanded universe, that's exactly what happened, right? Thrawn took his fleet 
disappeared into the unknown regions at the behest of the emperor and then comes back and the emperor's dead so he's like all right well i guess i'm in charge then yep um <laughs> in rebels he's in charge of sort of lothal and some of the other outer rim territories um and is defeated by the titular rebels um and um dragged out beyond the furthest reaches of known space by space whales Oh, a good space whale. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's what happens to Thrawn, but he's not dead, importantly, at the end of that. So he just gets finding Nemo'd. Okay, cool. Yeah, basically, basically. He and the, I guess, like, I guess main character, Ezra, the, the Aladdin character, um, get dragged out into the furthest reaches of space, um, along with all of Thrawn's Star Destroyers. So there's just this whole fleet that's been dropped out somewhere and will no doubt be back. <laughs> uh, okay, cool. In fact, cool. There, was, there was another theory yeah. that in the in the Rise of Skywalker trailer, there's a there's a half scene or there's a half second shot of a whole bunch of Star Destroyers, like Imperial Star Destroyers, parked in a, yep. in a nebula. And so there's been some theories that that's Thrawn's fleet. Ooh. Uh, and that we might see him in a uh, in a legit Star Wars film instead of just in Rebels. Okay, so here's a question. Who's playing Thrawn? I would love it to be the Thrawn from Rebels, which is uh, Lars Mikkelsen. So Mads Mikkelsen's brother. Hang on, I need to... He plays the Russian president in House of Cards. Never watched House of Cards. Mm, that's a shame. I mean, I know that we can't watch it anymore because Kevin Spacey, but um, <laughs> once upon a time, it was great. Yeah, no, let me look at him now. He, oh, actually, no, in this photo over here where he doesn't have, like, a beard yeah. and look like he's 80, yeah, no, that would work really well, actually. Yes. Um, yeah. He, yeah, um, yeah, okay. He, they deliberately chose somebody with an accent that's not, like, a typical default kind of accent. Yeah. Um, which was cool because that makes him quite alien in addition to the blue skin and stuff. Um, yeah. So he also played Hannibal in the, the Hannibal TV series. Oh, I heard that was good. I do need to sit down and watch that at some point. Yeah. Yeah, me too. It's on the to-do list. Uh, sorry. Is it him? It's not him, but he's in it. Apologies. Ah, okay. Right. Uh, actually, it might be him. Sorry. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. I'm not speaking within my authority anymore. <laughs> but, um... Uh, he is quite good. No, I think it's his brother, Mads. Anyway, doesn't matter. Either way, he voiced Thrawn really, really well. If you find clips of him on Rebels, you get a sense of him. Um, reasonably true to, like, the, the concepts of the original Thrawn, yeah. even if you drop him in new stories. So, um... What's his name? Timothy Zahn, the guy who wrote yeah, the, yeah, original the original Thrawn yeah. and is writing all the new Thrawn, um, yeah. has said that he's he doesn't see led like the old Legends stuff and the new canon stuff as necessarily exclusive. They're just yeah. different stories from different people about what happens, you know, after the uh, Empire. That's that's, the, that, that's that's called the uh, the Games Workshop way of dealing with canon, right? Exactly. I suspect just throw it all yeah. in there in a blender, and even if it's completely contradictory, fuck it, mm -hmm. it works. Mm -hmm. 
which I think is why I've latched onto it so easily, right? Because I'm like, I don't need there to be a unified history. I play 40k. <laughs> we don't do unified history. It's, yeah, it, it's it's completely desensitized me to any problems we have with canon. Yeah, exactly. I'm just like, no, it was a different account, different people, different times. Um, yeah. <sighs> yeah, that, that works. Um, so let's talk about Benedict Cumberbatch's Thrawn. Less keen on it. Really? Yeah, I think it's just because I've now watched like three or four seasons of Lars as Thrawn in Rebels. I can't imagine him with just like with just a default British accent. Like I can't just, imagine just him British being accent. calm. Okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Like I can't imagine him just being calm. Like we've had Benedict Cumberbatch as Thrawn. It was in Star Trek. Um, he, that's done. It's finished. It's calm. I enjoyed him as Khan very much. Oh, I, don't get me wrong. I loved him as Khan, but we've done it. It's finished. Give someone else a shot. Someone Danish, preferably. I quite like the Danish accent. <laughs> really good. So, so, so basically, it's the. Oh, actually, no. Hang on. He, he's not Danish, but you could have. Um. Oh no, he's way too big to be. Nah, it doesn't work. I was gonna say um, Alexander Skarsgård, but I think he's Norwegian. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's also like eight foot tall, which doesn't work for Throng at all. Yeah, kind of like and stuff, so that would kind of work. Yep. Like they made John Reese Davies look like he was about four and a half foot tall, so which you is know. impressive. <laughs> Do that to him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Yeah. Anyway. So, but yes. So, no. Like, so yeah, you've heard of maybe, but, yeah. <laughs> We'll see how many yep. retractions you have to issue between now and when it comes out. Uh, I haven't said anything concrete anymore. It's just it might be according to fans. Oh no, those those that sounded like fact. Everything you just said was fact, right? <laughs> From a certain point of view. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, guys, this is a completely factual podcast. There is no humor here, so feel free to sue Doug for libel. Mm, please don't. I don't have the money. Yeah. <laughs> I can pay you in abandoned 40k projects. Most of them involve Thousand Sons and lots of trim. Mm, that's true. But yes, that's my retraction. It's not IG88. Cool. Nice. <laughs> I'm, yeah. glad. Yeah. I'm glad we've cleared that all up for the listeners. Yeah. And then muddied it all immediately again. Yes, and if you want to get a sense of, of Thrawn but you don't want to watch Rebels because you're too cool for kids' cartoons, um, not that we're advertising other podcasts on this podcast, but the Star Wars New Canon Book Club, uh, Swinak back, as they like to be called, um, are, are doing a season-by-season -season review of Rebels at the moment, so uh, keep an eye on that. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Actually, I, I should grab some of those podcasts off you because I've sort of reduced my rotation again since we've um, settled on a bit of a theme for, well, not theme, but like structure for Below the Dice. Yep. So I've, I've got a lot more um, a lot more time to listen to some more podcasts. So Although I'm actually thinking yeah. about delving back into audiobooks and giving it another go ah, because I heard something. This is something really interesting and it, I'm just just fuck the show notes at this point, I guess. But <laughs> um, we'll come back. so I was <laughs> right back. Um, 
So did you know that there is a, a phenomenon, and, and odds are you may even do this, but I didn't realize people did this until I was listening to the independent characters the other day. Mm-hmm. And I think it was Adon and, and Carl were talking about doing this. So did you know people listen to podcasts on like 1.5 speed? Yes, I did. Have you ever tried that? No, I have not. Because I, I tried too fast to listen to myself at one and a half. That's it. I, I tried listening to something the other day at one and a half, and it made no fucking sense. And everybody gets high pitched. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but no, apparently it's actually like a really common thing for people to do is is to like bump the speed up on podcasts and audiobooks. Um, so they get through them because apparently like you can still like I don't think I can, but apparently some people can still listen to them and enjoy them at that speed. Yep, and being millennials, we have no time to do anything else, so it's all yeah. got to be here and now, delivered 20 minutes ago. <laughs> um, so I think from now on, we're going to open this show by just saying that it is best enjoyed at one time speed. Possibly even half, if you're having trouble keeping up. <laughs> Particularly when we get excited. Yes, about things like Doug issuing retractions. Hmm. Yes. Yeah, no, I, I thought that was really interesting because it never, ever occurred to me to speed up a podcast or an audiobook. Um, yeah, I think I have to get back into audiobooks too because I finally caught up on, again, not to advertise other podcasts, but I finally caught up on Thumb Cramps, um, which is a video game review podcast by Sans Pants Radio, which is an Australian podcast okay. network. So it's a bunch of Aussies sitting around reviewing generally shit uh Games, games. <laughs> um, generally for the Switch. Ah, uh, uh, really? Uh, it's just because that's what they've got. But you know, it's stuff that's available across other platforms normally. Ah, uh, fair enough. Yeah. So it's not like it's just the Switch. Um, but yeah, it's good fun. Uh, but now I have a gap because I listened to all of my podcasts today, and now I have nothing. So I'm hoping some more stuff drops overnight. So if you want to listen to a really good podcast, mm-hmm. um, so the loaded dice. <laughs> they're just assholes um, and they just ah. talk about other people's podcasts. So it's kind of like yeah. listening to other podcasts, second and third hands, <laughs> um, possibly at one and a half speed and it could be terrible. Um, <laughs> so there's, if, if you want to listen to two really good podcasts, that is where I get a lot of our Beyond the Rift stuff from as far as conspiracy theories and things like that go. Uh, one is the unexplained with Howard mm-hmm. Hughes, um, although not the guy that paid in bottles and kept it in his hotel room. <laughs> um, although apparently this Howard was named for him, um, and, and it, it's just like a, a it releases every week, and it's an interview podcast. And he, the guy, interviews you know um, ghost hunters or you know journalists that have looked into something a bit unexplained. Uh, or authors or, you know, experiences and things like that. Some of them are, like, insanely, like, far-fetched and out there. Um, and some of them are a lot more down-to-earth. Like, they're just, you know, futurists. So, like, scientists mm-hmm. at the moment talking about, you know, near-future stuff. Um, so that's a really awesome one because it's so varied. Um, and then the other one, my wife actually put me onto this one, is called the Bigfoot Collectors Club. Um, oh, which yes, is, I think I've heard of this one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the guys on it are actors, and I'm going to screw this up because I never remember their name. 
it's uh, Macmillan. I'm trying to think of what his first name is, but he played the he played the vamp the vampire bad guy from season one of True Blood. Michael McMillan. Michael McMillan. That's it. Um, and Bryce Johnson. And Bryce Johnson. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really good one. It, it's specifically about like Sasquatch stuff, but it's also really cool because they do all sorts of strange stuff. And then they have like a collection segment and a couple of times I've been listening to it and I always get a guest on that's usually like an actor or an actress mm-hmm. um, because they're both in Hollywood and they live in Hollywood and they know all these different people. So you like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, holy crap, that's that person from that Netflix show. And it turns out they're like, you know, some insane person that's been like speaking to dead people all their lives. Um, but a couple of times they've had people on that used to play Warhammer uh, and things like that. And they go like, you know, Oh, do you collect anything? And I'll be like, Oh no, not really. But when I was in college, I played this game called Warhammer. Um, nice. And they all, apparently they all kind of used to play and stuff like that. So that's kind of cool. It's um, a cool game for cool people. That's it. Uh, so if yeah, the unexplained and Bigfoot collectors club, very good. Nice. Excellent. My um, my only other recommendation before we move on is Till Death Do Us Blart. Okay. Uh, which is where uh, the three McElroy brothers, uh, Griffin, Travis, and Justin, and two Kiwi comics, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery, every Thanksgiving, so it's a once-a-year podcast, just so that you, could, you know, it doesn't have to pollute your feed too much. Once a year, around November... All five of them, plus whatever guests they can wrangle, sit down and watch Paul Blart, Mole Cop, I think two, uh, and then talk about it. And they've committed to doing it until they die. Right. Okay. Awesome. I'm going to have to go that to a listen. <laughs> um, and like I said, only once a year, so it's not a big commitment. You've just got to... And I think they've all nominated somebody to replace them in the event of their death as well. So it will go on in perpetuity. <laughs> There can't be that many episodes of it because I think Paul Blart Mall Cop only came out like what two or three years ago. There are one, two, three, four episodes of Paul yeah. Blart Mall Cop. That's <laughs> oh, right. Until oh. death Blart. Yeah, and it there is number go. two. Yep. Uh... <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I have some weird podcasts in my in my rotation, but they're still fun. Uh, but you're not here to listen to other people's podcasts. You're here to listen to ours. So let's move on to Signals from the Front. Andrew, what's uh, what's catching your eye? What have you been up to? Ooh, 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 ooh. Okay, uh, so I was going to talk about Iron Warriors, but I haven't done that much extra because I haven't been over the paint. Uh, so I wanted to um, throw a quick shout-out. Um, I found a box of stuff while I was cleaning up the last couple of weeks that had a whole lot of like Imperial Guard bits in it that I'd ordered from a company in the US called Reptilian Overlords. Mm-hmm. Um these guys are awesome um they're only a small little company and they do everything sort of like cad sculpted then they 3d print it to make molds uh and then it's resin bits uh and they're they have all sorts of different hats um if you remember back to our imperial guard episode lots of hat swaps um and i haven't been on the website for a million years i've kind of forgotten that they existed actually um, and then I pulled this stuff out and they went, oh, what, what they're doing now. And they have like a ton of, of new stuff. Mm. Um, they've got some really lovely, uh, Dragoon helmets. Um, and they're also doing some chaos stuff at the moment, which is really cool. Uh, some corrupted heretic sets and they've branched out quite a bit into offering, 
um, like full-blown miniatures in like a mix and match kind of way. Uh, so you get heads, torso, arms and weapons, different leg sets, different body sets, uh, backpack kits and all sorts of things. So you can make some pretty amazing, uh, amazing looking dudes. Uh, if you want like, um, you know, great coat soldiers that aren't Krieg, uh, Reptilian Overlords is where I'd be going at the moment for them. Uh, yeah. Very reasonably priced as well. The only thing I will mention, um, and look, I, I think it's worth it, uh, the wait times can be massive. So mm-hmm. I think I ordered my stuff during their Black Friday sales last year, and they turned up in February. Um, because they are only as look, they are only a small business. Um, the guy who runs it, um, and I'm pretty sure he's got some people that helps him out. But uh, the guy who runs it, I, I've sort of known him a little bit through chatting with him on like Instagram and Facebook and stuff like that. Um, and he's super, super nice guy, super responsive, but like, I think he was, you know, working out of his home with a couple of printers and a couple of, um, sort of like casting setups. Um, I imagine he's got a lot more than that now. Um, but yeah, like this, there's still wait times on his stuff, but it's definitely worth it. It's some of the crispest resin I've ever seen in my life. Um, it's absolutely glorious. The detailing on it, like it, it kicks the shit out of four George resin. Uh, leaves it for dead um so yeah no uh reptilian overlords want to give them a shout out um while we're on them one of the things i saw uh i saw them posting in the facebook groups is like a work in progress i haven't seen them put it up on the shop yet so i'd imagine they're still working on it but they were putting together like uh i don't think i necessarily have to ask you this listener because we're a 40k podcast but do you remember june June, that rings a yeah. bell, you know? Like, Long I live feel fighters. like... Yeah, Sting. maybe some... Mwadib. Um, all of that sort of stuff. Anyway, Big cylindrical re- things with lots of teeth. Yeah, he who controls the... The um, the salt controls the, the galaxy or whatever. Garlic um, powder. That's quote, right? Yeah, 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 that's right. He who controls the chicken salt controls the universe. Um, uh, anyway, do you remember in June... Uh, this sort of little indie film or series of, of short, uh, of long episodes that was put together. Do you remember the Sadhu car? Oh, yeah. I, they, they also ring a bell. I feel like they may have been terror troops of some description, possibly yeah. for an emperor. Yeah. 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 Some kind of emperor who sat on a throne somewhere. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of like superstition around him <laughs> surrounded by witches or anyway. Um, I, I don't know why all this sounds so familiar, but anyway, you know how they were in like the big bomb disposal suits with the, the, the full face and body. Yeah. 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 Like green, green, green glass face masks lit from within lots of like black. Yes. Mm -hmm. They were working on a set of those. Oh, that's amazing. I need So like the, from from the waist up, it was just that one big (laughs) oversuit sort of bit. And I was like, I will buy a hundred of those. Thank you very much. <laughs> they will be my Gene Stealer Cult signs. I will take them. Oh uh, no, that's that's awesome. But yes, they haven't put them up for sale yet. So I'm I'm hoping that they don't get C and D by whoever owns Dune, the Herbert Estate, I guess, um, before it sees production. <laughs> but I would be interested in Saduka Stormtroopers. Oh shit! Yeah, no, that would be excellent. I'd actually that'd be something I'd look at for like a thirty k Colts and militia. Yeah, for sure. Survivors of the Dark Age. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah. Those dudes piled them up, up in rhinos. rhinos would be mad. 
but you use the um or, or like even those little um the carnivore transports oh the aurochs aurochs that's it yeah 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 no that'd be so cool mm-hmm right so yes yeah, reptilian overlords keep an eye on them they're good yeah no they're they're um they're absolutely awesome mm. yeah nice um other than that i also wanted to talk about uh something that you and i have managed to get ourselves tangled up in along with a few of other, a few other people uh and that is um uh it's been a, a affectionately named hashtag this is 300 uh <laughs> <laughs> for all the connotations. So, um, good friend of the show, uh, Marty from Monkey Miniatures, who's actually been on the show before um, with us in, in the, the, the deep past. I think he was on our, our Custodes episode, uh, Master of Mankind, having a chat with us there. Uh, and I know I've mentioned it a fair bit. He does a, he's done a bit of work here and there um, for me. Uh, and we're actually going to talk about something that he painted for me later on this episode, um, which is really cool. But he's... Um, he, he's sort of been trying to um, get back into 40k a little bit himself. Uh, so something that he he floated in a group chat that we're all kind of part of is this idea of, you know, we haven't we have X amount of money, and we have to go out and buy an army, uh, and then build and paint the army ready for January. Oh, I think it's February maybe, uh, and then we play in like a, a mini campaign with this army that we've bought. And there's a bunch of restrictions on it. Like um, you can't own the army currently. Everything has to be bought uh, new in box and receipts have to be provided. Now they don't have to buy, you don't have to buy from Games Workshop. It can be in like another reseller or an independent and you're allowed to get like, you know, discounts. So like if you went to, I don't know. um, Emerald Hobbies. Emerald Hobbies or Emperor or, you know, the Games Cube or something like that, and you're getting, you know, 10 to 20% off, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, the armies have to be between 600 and 800 points, and they have to be a legal force org um, of some description, um, which is all pretty cool. Uh, and nobody in the group is allowed to do the same army as somebody else in the group. So, yeah, no, uh, that's something that we've, uh, you and I have both jumped into. I think you've actually already made your uh, your orders. Is that correct? I have. I have made my purchases. Uh, I have gone for what some would consider both the cheesy and the easy route. Uh, I have, having completed my Imperial Knights army, I have elected to do Chaos Knights. <laughs> uh, no, good, but with good, a good, twist. Good and I promise that it will be a good twist and you will discover more as, as time goes on and as I build them. No, fantastic. Um, so I, I, I've kind of got an issue, which is uh, I've basically got everything. Yeah, I've basically got next to everything in this house, and Marty knows that. So the issue is finding something that I haven't got that you can make an army out of for three hundred bucks um, that's worth playing. And so this is the other thing that's really interesting is there's a whole lot of armies that just don't work for it. Because they're either new really released stuff, like Space Marines at the moment doesn't really work for this challenge because you can't get enough stuff for $300, even when you're getting 10 to 20% off stuff. Yeah. So that's kind of like a bit, that's a bit of an issue. So what I've actually decided to do is go for Grey Knights. Nice. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a couple of different options. I haven't actually put my purchases in yet. I'm going to do that probably end of this month. Um, 
I'm still sort of digging around trying to like, you know, finalize my list. But yeah, no, I think it's um I think it's gonna be interesting <laughs> playing Grey Knights. Uh, or uh, but Nemesis Dread Knights, right? Well, yeah, no, that that's that's one possibility, I think, but it just <laughs> Just kind of depends, uh, and I know some of the other guys. Like we've got one guy who's running um, all all Lehman Russes. Yep. Uh, we've got somebody doing like a dread mob, like orc dread mob. Yep. Uh, we've got a Tau player who I think is going all battle suits. Yeah. Maybe not. I think uh, so. Stole my thunder. I was going to try and just buy three hundred bucks worth of crew. Yeah. And just run like I'd a million still, crew carnivals. That's still only like 250 points though. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the problem. I was like, ah, oh, I've still got to fill 400 points. Okay. Yeah. Um, what if I did four hammerheads instead? And then they were like, I'm going to do four Lehman Russes. I'm like, all right, well, fine. I'll do. Uh, I was tossing in, tossing up, either doing one uh, Chaos Castellan or Chaos Valiant, probably, um, or you know, a, a big knight and two little knights. Yeah. Yeah. So, and it's and it's going to be interesting because I think we've we've managed to convince Marty that the games are going to be open war decks. Yeah. And they're being played on four by fours. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but as as I said before, that's not starting until well, it's starting now, but the games won't start till early next year to give us all enough time to paint the stuff and build the stuff. Yeah. Um, so that sounds really awesome. So you know, we'll, we'll check in in signals from the front uh, occasionally with this is three hundred, and we'll probably get um, Marty from Monkey Miniatures uh, back on the show to have a bit of a mm-hmm. chat about it uh, before we kick it off. Nice, should be good. Yeah. What about you? What have you got from signals from the front? Yeah. So what did I do? I have a lot about what I've been doing, but before we get there, um, did you want to talk about? Uh, the green boy that's just dropped on Warhammer community. Yeah, yeah, actually, no, I will. Um, so we had, was it today or yesterday? Doesn't matter. Yesterday. Uh, we had uh, two new characters drop for Space Marines, two Primaris mm. characters, uh, and I'm going to talk about the Salamanders guy. Mm. Um, now, I would have found out his name if I had have cared about what he was like as a Salamander. Um, I don't think I he actually has a name just... yet. Oh, he doesn't have a name? Okay. Um, well, I just want to kit bash him as an, uh, an Iron Warriors guy because <laughs> the model is awesome. Uh, really cool pose, tons of, like, movement in it. Mm. Um, you know, big cloak, drake skin, nice brazier on his back because you got to take your brazier with you no matter where mm. you go. Um, and then, you know, big fuck-off hammer. Really, yep. really cool. Um, but it, it, it's really nice. It, it's kind of... One of the things with Primaris I've found, and I do like this about Primaris, but it gets a bit old after a while, is they're very their arm is very Spartan. Like it's there's not a lot of like adornment on it and the rest of it. So it's kind of nice to see a, a character that's quite tastefully adorned. Like not over the top, but at the same time, well, okay, maybe a little bit over the top of the giant brazier, but you know, you can dial you it can back a little bit and it's a bit yeah, but it's a bit more blingy than like a standard um standard suit of um, whatever they call it, Mark 10. Yeah. Tacitus armor. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I was trying to work out, I say Indominus, and then I'm like, no, that's Terminator armor. Yeah, wrong Uh, one. Yeah. But no, very cool. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, and we were talking pre-game about how we turn him into an Iron Warrior, sort of keep the cloak, but ditch all the the flame iconography. Yeah, just switch it out out for some, like, 
you know, yep. big skulls, ditch the brazier. Um, I was thinking like a yep. nice big, yep. co- like big brutal, like combi bolter yeah. instead of the flamer. Yep. Um, yeah. And then just hazard stripes to taste. Yep. Pretty much. Uh, so I'm going to talk about the other guy who is from the, the chapter voted worst chapter or legion by the Medrin guard city times 10,000 years <laughs> in a row. Um, and that is some third company dickhead from the Imperial fists. Uh, he does have a name, but I deliberately didn't learn it because I hate them all. I'm pretty sure it's Jalen Oprah. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, <laughs> Captain yeah, Jay. so we've got this dude with his big Jay Leno chin. If you did his hair black, you could probably you could probably just pull him off as as brother Captain Jay. Um, <laughs> but having said that, other than the head, and I'm hoping he's got like a helmeted option which sort of overcomes that. I actually really like him. Obviously not as a fist, because fuck the fists, but um, I quite like him as conversion fodder for, uh, like, tech marines and that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, to, to describe him, he's in uh, Mark 10 Gravis armor. So he's in the, the big chunky aggressor-style armor. Uh, he's got one power fist with what looks like some kind of shotgun mounted to the top of it. I thought right. it was, like, a triple, like, melter gun or something. They look slightly splayed, though. It looks a bit duckfootish. Okay. So I don't know. So maybe he's just, ma- like... maybe he's stolen like a smoke launcher off a rhino. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Or if it's like a, a graviton thing, like off the top of the um, the mm. um, thanatars. Yeah. Yeah. Just okay. Add a bit of extra oomph to the the punch because he's an imperial fist and his punches are so weak that even his power fist attacks need some augmentation. <laughs> um, Fighting words. Yeah, that's right. So he's got his big-ass power fist, and then on the other arm, he's just got a normal arm with, like, tactical gubbins. Uh, I'm not sure how he operates that with his power fist, but let's assume he does. No, he that, that that's why his chin's so massive, because he sticks it <laughs> in there and the chin does it. Chinceps, man. Don't you remember those Maxibon ads? <laughs> that's true. Um, yeah, but the the main event for this dude is that he's got a, a backpack-mounted uh, graviton gun grav cannon one or the other looks like a grav cannon actually um so he's like a a targeting heavy support kind of dude which i quite like i like the concept um we were talking pre-game he'd probably make a good if you were going to go down this road um heresy tech marine with a conversion beamer yep because you could just dump him somewhere replace the the grav cannon with a c beamer um call it a day yeah Uh, um like that really yeah, that's it. And, and I think, honestly, just switch the head out for something else. And I think it's um, it's actually a pretty cool-looking model. Um, yeah, although I do what? quite like the Luke Skywalker targeting computer in front of his eyes. Oh, yeah, but you could use another, like, unhelmeted head as well, right? Like, it's just going to be I, the same frigging, like, neck socket that they've been using for a million years. Yeah, like, oh, 100%. <laughs> yes, uh, agreed. There's no there's no problem there. Uh, yeah. You so what do you... Better. What do you think about the um, the dragon's teeth on the on the base, like the scenic base that they're doing? Yeah, I mean it's better than Shrike's. I think Shrike had a lot. Um, yeah, he had like eight pieces of Rio like sticking out of his as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 and like a poster, which I've already heard some people planning to do like My Chemical Romance tour posters, <laughs> which I'm pretty keen for. I'm here for that, um, but I quite like it. Uh, the Imperial Fists, particularly because it feels a little bit like a, like I know it's just a dragon's tooth that he's stepping on, but like a ruined battlement that he's kind of got a foot on. Yep. 
yeah, I no, could like, easily bottle him on top of a on top of a, a rampart or something. Yeah, holding the line. Yeah, and the hiding uh, behind his walls because his belly is as yellow <laughs> as his armor. Uh, and yeah, the salamanders guy is standing on like some um, some lava. Yes, because mm-hmm. it's hot. Because everybody it. everybody has to straddle lava. Yeah, and salamanders, they're all about fire. Do you get it yet? Vulcan lives. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I. I just. I just don't get that from this model. I just don't get any sense no, of hate. It's a subtle motif, but right. Good. It's okay. There. It's just going over my head a bit. Yeah. 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 <laughs> just once. Just once. I want like a a salamander character who doesn't have a flame weapon. Yeah. Not gonna happen. What I mean. I want the. Uh, like I wanted the Death Watch salamander. Right. To just have an assault cannon or something, rather than a heavy flame, <laughs> and just be like, "What? We don't all have fucking flamers." Yeah, so yeah, we, we have other things in the armor. Long range, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, like the, the other the, way, the... I want to see like a, a thunderfire cannon that's just a flamethrower, because <laughs> <laughs> they're like, "No, we replaced everything with flamethrowers." Yeah, <laughs> we don't have non-flame weapons anymore. Like, uh, all right, <laughs> cool. Maybe that's uh, just me. <laughs> Anything else from Signals for the Front? Um, other than that, just what I've been doing. So uh, I've painted my first couple of Aeronautica Imperialis planes, which is cool. They're looking very nice. I think we're, we're doing a, an, an AI um, episode in the next little while. Yeah, I think, are we? So I can talk more about I think we've got notes, potentially, or half a set of notes for one. Yeah, nice. be, So I'll talk more about them there. Um, but other than that, I've just been playing lots of Warcry, hey? Yeah, awesome. How good uh, is Warcry? Pretty good. I'm really enjoying it. Our episode last week, or last time, got me jazzed for it. And then yep. um, Ben and I went to a tournament over last weekend. Um, there were two players, and it was Ben and I. Nice. <laughs> but we got first, second, best painted, wooden spoon... Uh, and a couple, like the door prize and all that sort of stuff. So you know, so that was basically a clean, a clean sweep for the Lord of Dice podcast. Yeah, the only thing we didn't get was third. <sighs> Letting the side down again, Doug. First, your retraction well, about IG eighty eight, and now you're telling me no third place. Look, if you were there, one of us would have got third. Probably yeah. you. Probably. So who's really let the team down here? <laughs> Yeah, like, I really like Warcry. I'm just apparently not that great at it. Um. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so much so that uh, I've changed my Moab attendance. So I was going to try and make it down for the whole weekend for the 40k tourney down at Moab. But instead, uh, Sunday's not great for me anymore anyway. So I've withdrawn from 40k and I'm just playing Warcry on the Saturday now. Yeah, nice. Nice. Yeah. What, what date's Moab, by the way? Uh, it's the October long weekend, so that will be, mm, I want to say, 5th and 6th of October? Yeah, so yes, it's coming up pretty quick, like three weeks or something, I think, yeah. Yeah, and, well, yeah, basically mm, two weeks-ish from now, and the, the Saturday is the Warcry day, so the 5th. Nice. Um, yeah, so that should be good. I'm really excited for that. Keen to play against someone other than Ben and you, um, <laughs> which will be good, and then... Literally yesterday, my copy, or my and Ben's copy of Monsters and Mercenaries showed up. Very nice. Uh, so we can play the expansions now, too. 
Yes, I found the Chimera in my garage. Nice. I bought one from the place we played the tournament at. Oh, nice. Can I borrow the back left-hand leg? By no. Oh. I have already built it. Damn it. Can you break it off and give it to me? Uh, maybe. Okay, we'll talk about this after the show. We'll, we'll, yes. we'll work something out. Maybe I'll get, like, from the knee up or something, and we can make it work. Yeah. Um, pro tip, though, <laughs> the um, the stat lines for the Chimera are not in the Monsters and Mercenaries book. Oh, right, okay. So they're in the Chimera box? Yes. So, weirdly, they've packaged the model with the rules, but not the rule book with the rules. That doesn't sound like something Games Workshop will do. That's preposterous. Yeah, I know, right? Insanity. <laughs> Um, but all the other monsters are in there. So if you've got like giants or um, gorgons or arachnoroks or shit like that, you're okay. Yeah. Just so everything except like the monster they were pushing the book with. Yeah, and coincidentally, one of the best monsters. Mm. Yeah, funny that. Well, you might have to. You might have to use your um, your your photographic memory, mm -hmm. and then come and tell me what the chimera stats are. Just stand next mm -hmm. to my table um, every time I play. Maybe. Possibly hold like a tray of drinks <laughs> and a large palm leaf and fairness. Huh. That sounds about right. Yeah. That'd be good. Um, yeah, so that's me for signals from the front. So shall we take a break and come back for our main segment? Yes, that sounds good. Let's uh, come back with for some maximum gallantry. And we're back. Uh, so we're on to our makes, which we kind of forgot to mention at the start of the show, but it's Imperial Knights, particularly Imperial Knights in the Horus Heresy, um, particularly because we know we haven't given 30k much love over the last little while, but it is still a game system that we're involved with, that we're still doing stuff with, that we're still occasionally going to events for, um, particularly, you know, Active Heresy, uh, I was going to say at the end of the year, but technically at the start of next year. Um, you know, so shout out for, for the boys down in Canberra. Thanks for putting that on. Always a great event. Uh, we thought we'd spend some time talking about, you know, one of the uh, non-Astartes armies that sits in 30k. And since I've already talked about Militia a few times in the past, uh, we should talk about Imperial Knights. Yeah. No, so uh, what we're going to go through is pretty much who are they? Who are the Imperial Knights? What's their deal? Where do they come from? How do they sort of fit in? Uh, and as Doug said, it's it's a 30K. Um, so it's really like Genesis for Knights mm. um, more than anything. Uh, then we're going to go over a bit about, you know, like what, like how Knight households are set up, different types of Knights. Uh, and then we're going to be finishing off our main segment with uh, a segment called Questing Knights and Call the Banners. Uh, which is going to be a bit of a, a bit of a spotlight on our own uh, our own knights and how mm -hmm. we use them on the tabletop, that sort of thing, which will be um, really cool. Uh, so sit back, relax, and uh, get ready for big stompy war robots. Indeed. So uh, one of the first things we should talk about, I guess, when we're thinking about knights, is the history of uh, the knight households. So if we're thinking about knights. Uh, in the the setting of 
I guess the, the the closing years of the Great Crusade and the opening of the Horus Heresy, all of that sort of stuff. Um, their history actually runs well before that. So they were um, basically sent out as part of the the original explorator fleets that went out from Earth in the the Dark Age of Technology out into into the galaxy to colonize it to to make it human um, as sort of support for those little colonies, right? Because each colony was going to be effectively on its own for the foreseeable future. So sending a few giant stompy robots to, to put down any local flora or fauna that got uppity um, was particularly helpful. Yeah, uh, and I, th- I think there's a lot in the in the background fluff. They talk about, you know, arc ships. Yeah. Um, and big, big colony arc ships and stuff like that. And... Um, yeah, knights um, and the knight pilots, yeah, sent out as like almost like security forces, mm-hmm. um, which is really really cool. Uh, and then obviously, you know, um, from there it sort of like branches out, and you get all sorts of different. You know, obviously by the time you hit thirty k and then forty k, you know, they've had you know tens of thousands of years to evolve, um, but that's kind of their initial nexus. Yeah, it was it was interesting actually as I was reading a bit about the 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 long history, the the distant history of knights. How many of them got turned to like civilian use? So once the knights and and the rest of the the colony ships had sort of pacified the local area and set up their colony and started sort of thriving and surviving, um, the knights ended up being used to like clear land and level mountains and all that sort of stuff. Um, so it was quite cool to see them sort of say the Reaper chainsaws were used to cut down basically entire forests in one go um, for wood and that sort of thing. Uh, battle cannons were used to to move, by which I mean obliterate rocks that were in inconvenient locations, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, which I thought was quite cool. And then it's interesting to then see them by the time the Imperium reconnects with them, they've sort of gone back to military use. Particularly, yeah. I guess, in response to the age of strife and, and everything that sort of comes with that. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I was sort of going to say is obviously if you if you look at it, you know, they leave it. It's this like great golden age and they're going out to explore the galaxy. And, you know, you imagine sort of them colonizing and kind of going, well, OK, there's no threats here anymore. We can put them to other uses. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously, you know, warp storms, demonic incursions, chaos all sorts of things and it's like holy crap we need to dust these off again we need to get the pilots back out um and instead of them being like you know basically heavy machinery for farming work or whatever they're using them for at the time it's like no back into military service yep um and i also wonder whether because obviously like that that arc in itself would be thousands of years right yep so i wonder like the obviously the idea around knights is that you know you conjure up medieval knights in your brain, right? And mm-hmm. I wonder at what point that is what they kind of become. Like whether that's what they were when they left Terror on those original colony fleets, or whether they were much more like the way they were thought of, if you get what I mean. Like, as opposed to being, yeah. like, this, like, steeped in martial tradition and all the rest of it, whether it was, like, the Wayland Yuanti corporations built us a new stompy death robot and we're going to take it with us on this ship when we head out there. Um, 
<laughs> and and then at some point, you know, thousands of years down the track, you know, the the guys that were originally piloting them were only teaching their kids how to pilot them, mm. and then all of a sudden you have like a very different setup to what was originally, you know, the chub security guard of the colony. <laughs> Yeah, it was interesting actually reading through sort of the codex and some of the stuff online about them, that it seems like they actually got through the Age of Strife, not unscathed, but better than a lot of other planets. Because um, night, night pilots in particular were generally mistrustful of witches. And so would often be like, no, none of that psycho shit, we're just going to kill them. Yeah, just um, burn them all. Yeah, which I guess is entirely within your remit when you're piloting a, however, like two, three story tall um mountain of steel and and weapons um it's pretty easy to burn witches i would imagine so actually they while they were obviously still cut off and still had to survive everything that the age of strife threw at them they actually were reasonably insulated from stuff like demonic incursions and enslavers um uh, just oh, because yeah, they obviously... previously killed all of the witches <laughs> Yeah, and, and, and obviously, like, you know, any any colony rocking about with a bunch of knights is probably not a particularly soft target. No, but I guess then sort of the, the people then go, oh, cool, these knight pilots are the ones that saved us because they burnt the witches, so we'll sort of build mm. our society around them now rather than... Venerate. Yeah, exactly, and then they become both the, the heads of, the heads of um, society, but also, like, the first line of defense when something goes wrong. Yeah which is very medieval knightly, which is kind of cool. And, you know, didn't happen for all of them, obviously. Some of them were still dealing with witches when the Age of Strife hit, no doubt. And, ooh, enslaver knights. Is that a thing I want to do? <laughs> mm, tempting. Yeah, um, and, and obviously a, a big part of the, the knight history that goes with it is obviously the technology itself. Mm. Um, the knight suits, um, they're not titans. We shouldn't refer to them as knight titans. They're not really titans. <laughs> they're not part of the Collegia Titanicus. And I'll fight anybody that tells me otherwise. No matter how much they want to be. No. <laughs> um, but specifically the, the throne Mechanicus unit, um, which is mm. the big chair that they sit in, um, that's dropped into the carapace. Um, and in a lot of the fluff, they actually talk about it um, being, like, fired from the top of, like, the, the fastness or the castle that the knights inhabit, like, into the basement, and it yep. slots into the night. So, like, think of any, like, big robot anime. I was going to say Evangelion's probably the, yeah. <laughs> the core one, right, where you load Shinji into the, the pod and then just plug it into the neck on the, on the Ava. Yeah, any, any of that sort of stuff, um, and they get dropped into it. And it's very much like the really interesting thing with the Throne Mechanicus is it's, it, it is an STC, so standard template construction, so it's pre-imperial, as we were saying. Um, very similar in fashion to, like, the Mind Impulse units that they use in Imperial Titans, mm -hmm. but also slightly different. Like, I think, like, I was reading a bit into this while we were doing some research for this, and one thing I found is that I actually seem to believe that the Throne Mechanicus is a step above the Mind Impulse units in terms of, like, its purity, if that makes sense. Like, the Throne Mechanicus yeah. is still, like, they don't fuck with them. They don't, yeah. like, like, I am, well, actually, I imagine that a lot of the Mechanicus ones, they, they've, like, you know, 
hotted them up, drawn flames <laughs> on them, maybe fuzzy dice. But, like, for a lot of them, like, the... Um, oh, the names just dropped out of my head. The, there's a cast of, like, um, almost, like, tech priests, but they're not tech priests that look after oh, them. And the, look the after sacristans? The, yeah, the sacristans, that's it. Yep. And that like as much as that's become like a very baroque you know um warhammer i like grimdark ideal like these guys are not mechanicus guys and they the they 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 pass their secrets and their art down but they don't try and improve upon it to some extent so a lot of the stuff i was reading was basically saying that you know what you get in like a warlord titan or what you get in even you know like scout titans is far more brutalized than what you find yeah. in knights. And one of the big differences is it with it is like knights have their own, you know, animus. Like they have a, a machine spirit of some description, right? And different knights have different types of machine spirits. Mm-hmm. But knight pilots are far more likely to be able to work with the machine spirits in most cases with knights than like Titan princeps are. Like, they're not these... And it's got something to do with the throne mechanicus in, like, calibrating all that stuff. So even though, like, there are certain knights, like, the one that comes to mind is the Atropos, right? And there's actually a bit in the background of the Atropos that says that, you know, um, because of what it was made to do as a mm. chassis, um, it's not uncommon for knight, pilot, for knight pilots to go crazy when they pilot Atroposes because of the yep. machine spirit. But it's it's really uncommon. It's really rare, um, and generally knights and their and their um, and their pilots get on really well, and the relationship is you know a lot better than what princeps have with their titans, which I thought was really cool, um, because it's kind of like the idea that you know the mechanicus didn't make this stuff. It didn't create it. It dug it out of the ground in a lot of cases and tried to make it better and just fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting thing, right? Where when you read like all the Titan novels, the the princeps are always sort of fighting with their their Titans machine spirits, whereas the knight pilots always seem to be much more in sync with it. Mm, yeah, like like I even remember reading, um, and I, I can't remember it was a it was a short story, and it was about like a um, a princeps who was couldn't get the Titan to do what he wanted it to do. Yeah. So it, like it wouldn't it wouldn't vent the plasma reactor and it wouldn't do all these other things because it was just fighting him on everything, um, and you have to yeah. imagine that's not a particularly great way to you know deal with city destroying war machines. Um, whereas yeah. you don't you don't hear about that stuff with knights. Um, it's much more in sync. It's much more natural apparently, as well as you don't have the same. Um, like the connections to them aren't as brutal. Yeah. Um, like I imagine you could do like a full amniotic like throne mechanicus setup if you had to. Yeah, but it's not a requirement like it is with like bigger battle titans. Um, like you don't have the the potential of accidentally stroking out your um your princeps because your overload is mined or something like that. It's really set up for for human interaction, which is kind of yep. cool. Yeah, and then I guess we'll get into it when we get there, but Armages have sort of the next level down from that, which is the Helm Mechanicus, mm. um, which is just like a, a helmet that they drop on 
which then syncs back to the throne mechanicus. So um, particularly in 40k, I know we're not doing 40k, but in 40k there's a specific knight chassis that's deliberately built to emphasize that side of things. Um, so basically, it, like it, it links the the big knight pilot out to the armagers and lets them effectively, like you know, when you're learning to drive and the the driving instructor has a, a set of wheels and brakes and shit. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of that, a little bit of the whole. No, no, no. Aim two degrees left and three degrees up. Now yeah. fire. Yeah, and then like like, like yeah, and like hundred percent. Like you don't really hear about. Um, like titans being slaved to other titans like it does come up like there's one or two i can think of in my mind um i can't like i want to say maybe in titanicus a princeps dies or ends up in a coma and his moderati manages to slave the part of the titan to the next titan on the battlefield yeah right um, I'm trying to think what, yeah. But anyway, Maybe. yeah, like not not in the same way that this kind of works with knights and armages and the rest of it. So it's much, it, it, it's it's much, yeah, purer is the way I would talk about it, less bastardized. Yeah, because you could imagine the the mechanic is getting something like that and then being like, oh, cool, how do we how do we tinker with it? Like, let's pull it apart, see if we understand it. And then they'll smash two thrones together and be like, well, shit. Um, how did this go together again? And then they'll jury rig like an MIU link and then plug someone into it. And, you know, particularly if you're thinking about someone like, uh, is it Legio uh, Ordax? Yeah. The, 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 the one that's exclusively Warhounds and that's always with yep. the World Eaters and every Titan's a belligerent piece of shit. Um, mm. Ursus Claws everywhere, right? Those Titans are very much in control of their princeps. Yeah, like yeah, hundred percent. Take on all of that aggression, whereas in the knights, sure, you get knight pilots who, when they're piloting the crankier knights, come out of it, you know, less conversational than perhaps they were when they went in. But it's not like they pick up the traits the same way that a, a mm. precept, a, a princeps will. Yeah, and the other thing that's really interesting is that it seems like knight pilots can be other things outside of their knights, yes. whereas you ever come across like anything to do with Titan crew and okay, like, like the orders of magnitude are so much bigger when you get into like, you know, proper God machines, but most princeps are like mewling messes when they haven't been connected to their Titan for a long time. Yeah. They need, um, yeah. Like, um, Irvin Hecate, um, mm -hmm. you, from, from the old Titan comics and stuff like that. Like he, in transit, like I remember, like he would go and sleep in the um, sleep in the like the lander bays, just to be closer to his Titan, because he yes. couldn't be he couldn't bear to be a part of it. Um, apart from it, um, can't remember what the guy's name is, but one of the Legio Metallica guys that's on Armageddon um, with Yarrick, who Yarrick mm. knows, he gets called away from where his Titan's being like unpacked from the lander and he has to go and like you know bend his knee to like <laughs> the the frigging like you know armageddon overlord guy mm. and he actually has like you know full and withdrawal symptoms from it and can basically can't function yep um because he's away from it whereas like these as you're saying before like night pilots are like 
in a lot of cases, the political class of a planet and they run a planet. Um, or they at least yeah. run like, you know, nations and things like that on a particular planet. And they're responsible for a whole lot of things other than just being night pilots. And that's the thing, right? And they're not doing that from the cockpit. So like, it's, it's not like they're, cause you could, you could almost imagine in 40 K, right. Someone building like a, not a castle, but like effectively a castle throne room big enough to house the knights. And so they just yeah. hold court while they're in their machines. <laughs> but that's not at all how they run, right? They're in and out of them all the time. Sometimes yeah. they'll swap knights and they'll have no problem with it. Like, it's all about... Oh, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, no, that's right. They, you can swap suits. Whereas um, a princeps is just slave to their machine and nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And trying to do anything else would be all sorts of, like, brain-shatteringly bad ideas. Yeah, there's, I swear there's a story. Again, like half remembered Titans. <laughs> we haven't researched Titans. Um, I swear there's one where a princeps pl- has to plug into another Titan because the old princeps is dead or something. Yeah, no, that's just, that's uh, that, that that's Irvin Hecate. He's a uh, yeah. The the princeps like before him, like you know, just yeah, kicks the bucket and he's like a cadet. Yep. And the um, Moderati Voss. Um, is yes. like you're the only person that's you're the only person that's got the right mind links and there's two gargants that have got us in their sights and they just grab him and it's like it's in the comic right this guy yeah. this little kid is like shit scared and they, they drag him to the chair and the guy rams the plug into the base of his spine mm-hmm. and then the next cell in the comic is like him in like one of those 3D exploded anatomical views and it's like yep the Titan is flaying his being apart. Yep. And then it like, it coalesces and he's just like targeting solutions on that gargant. Yep. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, no, yeah, I do yeah. remember that really well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So stuff like that, right? The moving from one machine to another in the Titan legions is difficult and yep. like frowned upon unless someone's died. Whereas in the night households, you're just like, Oh, we need someone to pilot the Atropos today. Great. In your hop. Yeah. And away you go. Yeah. Which is cool. Um, so we've talked about the, the, the fact that knights are organized into households. Shall we talk about the that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I think well, I think it's probably worth saying that there's like there's two distinct what like like in 30k, and I think it's exactly the same in 40k as well. Yeah. There's two distinct types of households. Mm-hmm. Um there's the more I want to say independent households. Um, yes. And then there's the vassal households. Yep. And the vassal households are specifically Mechanicum or Mechanicus vassal households, depending on whether it's 30K or 40K. Because um, yes. obviously, you know, some of the planets that were night planets were rediscovered by the Mechanicum, not by the Imperium. And you got to remember that in 30K Great Crusade, there were different explorative fleets and they basically got yeah. to keep what they found. That was part of the agreement between the emperor and Mars. So they did, you, you do have tech priests that have found these planets and obviously like, you know, blown circuits all over the place, realizing what they've found. <laughs> um, and then they've done everything in their power to absorb them into the Mechanicum. And that's where the quote from the beginning of this episode comes from. Um, it's actually yeah. Archmagos Dracovic. Um, talking about one of the, the vassal households after they conquered the planet. 
and it was basically like you're just another part of like the Omnisire's will now and yep. it's like you're great and we love you and your technology but if you don't bend the knee we'll just crush you yep yeah it's interesting right because you've got you've got that right you've got the two different households which are Questor Imperialis and Questor Mechanicus so like the the knight households that are sort of sworn fealty to the Imperium at large and then the ones that have sworn fealty to the Mechanicus or Mechanicum but then you've also got like separate to that the indentured knights oh actually like that's a good point. Yeah, no, there are indentured knights, yeah. Yeah, who are normally like a set of knights who are, you know, who, who could function as a household if you needed them to. But basically the Mechanicus owns them. So they're not like organized into households. They don't have mm. uh, seneschals and scions and like all these ranking sort of politicos piloting it. It's just whichever gearhead is best suited to, to operate the machine is plugged in and off he goes. Um, and that's normally where you start getting some of the more weird and wonderful uh patterns of knights as well like the mechanicus goes oh what if we mount a volkite mega weapon to it fuck it let's go um and then the other households get that eventually but they start as indentured knights that the mechanicus goes well we own them so we're just going to cut them up and stick them back together funny yeah and and you kind of get the you you get the impression that there's not the the reverence is different like as you're saying before it's like a can we break the warranty seals and see what's inside of this, even though we have no chance of getting it back together in the same way? Yeah, basically. Yeah, they're, they're overclocking their nights, right? In all the wrong ways. <laughs> yeah. So do we want to talk about the, um, probably the Inquestor Imperialis nights? Yeah, yes. So they're, they're kind of cool. They're the, like I said, they're the ones who have sworn fealty to the Imperium at large, normally they're encountered by like a, a space marine-led expeditionary fleet, or like an imperial army one, or basically anyone who's not the Mechanicus. Um, and so they they swear their oaths of fealty, remain basically independent from the rest of the imperial fighting forces, um, and just basically continue to operate business as usual. Except that now they're instead of just defending their little patch of dirt, they've got to send people out to fight, much like any tithed sort of local defense force yeah Um, so sometimes you'll get parts of households that go out with different expeditionary fleets kind of like the space marine legions getting broken up and sent out um or sometimes you'll just get whole households that get taken off the planet and sent out into the galaxy with one fleet to murder everything yeah and it's probably Um, it's probably it's probably also worth mentioning that um households can range from like a handful of night suits and a handful Mm -hmm. of pilots um, because it's actually the pilots that are probably a bit more important than the suits themselves. Correct. Um, and they may have, like, multiple different suits. Like, I think there was even something I came across that was, like, they have ceremonial um, night yeah. suits from yeah. time to time that are set up, like, purely for ceremonial jousts yep. um, and things like that. Uh, you don't wear them, like, actually onto a battlefield. Um, they have different ones for that. Um, and then you yeah. have night households that have got hundreds of pilots and hundreds of suits mm-hmm. um, and can be deployed as such. So yeah, like it, it's, it's worth sort of keeping that in mind when we go through sort of the structure and the idea, um, and especially if you're sort of thinking about creating your own night households. Um, yeah. Yep. Very much so. Um, yeah. So I don't know if there's anything else really to say about the, the quest or Imperialis guys specifically, except that they are, 
the other, actually, I guess the other thing to say about them is that they're not as closely linked to the Mechanicus, so they're not getting all the new stuff quite as quickly as, say, the Questor Mechanicus would. Um, so they're getting, they're running off their old suits that came with them through the Age of Strife, and they're normally, like, they're maintaining them really well, but they're not getting any new stuff for them. Yeah, and in a lot of cases, they're very, um, their relationship with the Mechanicus might be fraught, um, because yes. they're, because the Mechanicus kind of goes, well, hang on, this is technology, it shouldn't be over here with us, but they have um, quite, an, quite a deal of autonomy granted to them by yes. the Imperium. Um, so they kind of get away with a lot. Yep, pretty much. Um, and particularly when they can rearm and, and repair themselves, right? Like that's the that's the dream yeah. for a knight household, having the, the capacity not just to, um, I guess, keep your knights going, assuming that nothing breaks, but to be able to replace parts and sort of patch armor and that sort of stuff um, is great <laughs> if you can get it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And if there's, you know, and if like the households are big enough and they have like a, like in some cases they have entire systems. Yeah, that exactly. Consider to be like their, um, um, yeah, like their lands or I'm trying to think of like a knightly kind of term for it. Their fiefdom. Yeah, their fiefdom. Yeah, that's a, that's, that's a good term. Um, and the Mechanicus is not particularly happy about that because they're kind of the, the third player. Yeah. And they don't, like, yeah, in a lot of cases, they may have everything required within their little empires to, to never have to go to the Mechanicus and ask for anything, which means the Mechanicus can't hold anything over them. Um, and we'll never get their knight suits. We'll never get their grubby little tentacle fingers on them. No, that's right. Um, yeah, whereas the, the Questor Mechanicus guys are the guys who encountered the Mechanicus first and so normally have a good working relationship with them in some way, shape, or form. Still somewhat autonomous, but very much when the Mechanicus calls, they answer. So if they say, we need knights over here to defend this Forge world, then the Quest of Mechanicus are basically the first to deploy in support. Yeah. Uh, and normally they're, like, they're often the households that can't support themselves, so the Mechanicus rocks up with the raw materials, with the ammunition, with the spare parts, mm. and say sign on with us and we'll keep you well equipped yeah and and as you said yeah there's there's definitely like pros and cons to both of them um mm -hmm. and definitely if we're getting creative juices flowing for people from a narrative point of view depending on what sort of night chassis you want to run um, yes. and different things like that and most of them especially um so book four is the horus heresy book to look for if you're doing knights um a lot of the night lists will actually say like you know this is a very rare um you know knight chassis from you know pre-imperial times and then other ones are like you know this is a um an experimental knight chassis so you can kind yeah. of like pick and choose so it's like you know if you quest on mechanicus okay we'll have more of you know the majeras and the styrix knights but yep. maybe less serastus ones in some cases whereas if you have like a quest or imperial uh, night house that traces its you know lineage all the way back to ancient terror or something like that then you know whole ham on the serastus chassis but leave some of the more experimental ones out of it perhaps yeah exactly right yep 100 percent. yeah and and that's one of those things that you'll see sort of i guess play out in the the narrative as well right the the the, the experimental stuff goes first to the indentured yep Knights because they're the ones that get experimented on and then once they've got a system that works and that isn't killing pilots or exploding knights, it finds its way out to the Questor Mechanicus and then maybe at some point 
as part of a trade of services for goods, um, a couple of them find their way into an imperialist household. So you don't have to sort of remove stuff like the Megera or the Styrix from your imperialist lists, just they're probably going to be slightly rarer. Um, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So uh, shall we talk about some of the important people inside a, inside a knight household? Yes. So these are the, the the roles that I guess particularly in 30k split stuff up into HQ elite, fast attack troops, heavy support, all that sort of stuff. Um, but they're the guys who have a a particular role outside of just being a dude in a suit shooting shit. Um, and again, as we were saying before, not every household will have every sort of position filled. For want of a better term, there'll be some job ads out, but. Um, they will, however, have somebody doing something similar, I guess, across the board. Yeah, and, and like there's a there's some interesting ones in here in this structure when you go through it. But as you can imagine, like it's incredibly hierarchical in style. Mm -hmm. um, like we are talking medieval lords, um, kings, queens, peasants you know, all of that sort of stuff um, in a line between heaven and earth almost. Um, and everybody fits along that in their pre-appointed position. And it's also, like, it is family. It is blood ties as well. Um, yeah. So everything you read about it is it's kind of like, you know, the head of the household has a whole bunch of children and they all get, set up as night pilots like there is a there is to some extent you you need to be biologically and psychologically um perfect to be able to sit on the throne mechanicus um and when you're sort of you come of age you have to be accepted yeah um, and you have to sort of be able to mesh with the machines properly so um that's sort of something to keep in mind is it's very very medieval yeah, exactly right. Um, so I guess top of the list then, top of the top of the pile is the Seneschal, um, who are the lords of the house. So they're the ones, so I think in the 30k list, they're zero to one in a list, so you're only meant to have one at any given time. Um, they're the ones who would have sworn the initial oath of fealty, or their line would have, um, and they're the ones who are deciding, for want of a better term, where and when and under what circumstances their household fights. Yeah, and and it's also um, when we talk about them being somebody outside of the suit. Um, mm. In in a lot of cases, they're running everything to do with the household. They're running the fiefdom. They're running the entire empire. Um, they'll also be the direct link in a lot of cases to the greater imperium. Yeah, um, and they have to be able to do the politicking that goes along with that. Um, they yep. need to be able to deal with the Mechanicus and the Imperium and the Space Marine Legions and the Auxilia and everybody else that sort of goes in there. Um, so, yeah, they're, the, they're sort of like the big daddy or the big big mummy of the Night House. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about Lord Scions? Yep. So generally sitting underneath the Seneschal in the hierarchy, you'll have a group of knights um, that are Lord Scions. So 
um, I guess they could be kind of like the, the, the main advisors in the round table to the Seneschal, and they're his trusted commanders. So if you don't have a Seneschal in a particular area, so say like the Knight household's been asked to provide suits to several different um, conflicts by the Imperium, mm-hmm. uh, each one of those armies or you know groups of knight of knights that's sent out would be sent out underneath the lord scion as opposed to being sent out underneath like the seneschal um once again in game terms there is zero to one and they're the cheaper hq choice yeah um they're all veterans um yeah i'm just trying to think what else yeah i mean that's pretty that pretty much covers it, right? They're the, the knights of the round table, for want of a better term, right? They're the ones who are closest yeah. to the Seneschal and who go out and enforce the Seneschal's will when the Seneschal can't be there themselves. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. that I think that covers it. And they're your cheaper HQ choice. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And in, in game terms, if you need a cheaper lord who does slightly less, then a Lord Scion's a good sort of pick. In fact, the only other pick. Uh, unless you want to take Dracovic, who's also a <laughs> knight HQ. Um, all right, well, shall we talk about preceptors? Yes. So so I guess a lot of the rest of them, um, uh, while there's still sort of that, that clear hierarchy, a lot of the rest of them sort of swap around in different households, so some of them will have more weight in others uh, and that sort of thing. But certainly you've got, I guess, the elites... Um, the guys who fill up the elite slots in in, a ga- in game terms, but um, preceptors are one of those, and their whole thing is data. So they're, um, uh, I guess, the best way to put it is that they're the ones who are taking in all the battlefield data when they're in their suits, and then doling that out to the rest of the household. Um, so they're they're the ones with the, like the quickest reaction times, um, and they're the ones who are pointing out the biggest threats for the household to deal with. Uh, and so then in, like, out of the suit, they're often the guys who are not the propagandists. That's the wrong way to think about it. But they're the ones who are taking in, <laughs> they're like the, the information network, right? They're the ones taking in information and then feeding it to the Seneschal or the Lord Scions or the other guys who need to know what's going on. Mm. Um, yeah, so in, and I also have a feeling that they they spend quite a fair bit of time dealing with, like, training the aspirants of the house. Yeah, yeah. That's true, too. Um, And then we'll... I guess we can talk about them in game terms later, but the big thing that they give is everyone within... All the knights within six inches of them can shoot Overwatch, um, which they normally can't do. So the idea is that the Preceptor's reacting to data quick enough that they can identify a target that's charging at a knight or a group of knights and say, Mm. shoot that asshole." Yeah, and they also Um, give bonuses to... Bonuses to reserve roles and um, yep. and things like that, which is pretty good. Yeah, um, yep, yep, yep. yep. So then uh, we move on to the, and I'm going to butcher the pronunciation on this, the Octella, Octelia, yep. I think it is. Um, so these guys are, they're kind of duelist champions. Yeah. To some extent. Um like they they talk about them being a relic from um, uh, when knight households battled each other um, yep. and things like that, and you'd use these guys to kind of settle um, honor jewels, jousts, those sort of things. 
Um, but yeah, basically they're kind of like, yeah, they, they're kind of champions. They're the guy that, you know, excels in that single combat arena. Yep. Yeah. So uh, I'm trying to think of a good one. Um, I mean, Goliath is the, the default, if you know, your sort of uh, old Testament, I guess. Uh, like one champion who would go out in front of the army and challenge mm-hmm. the the best fighter from the other army, particularly yeah. when it's night household to follow those sorts of codes of honor. You'd send your octillers out, um, and they'd fight, and whoever won won the day. Yeah, that's that's it. The whole the whole thing would just be one one little duel, and that's yep. just everything. You don't have to go to war with each other and destroy your households, kind of thing. Particularly good if your households don't have access to resources. You'd send your champions out, they'd fight, and then you wouldn't yeah. waste knights sort of in a pitched battle. You'd just have these two dudes beat the shit out of each other and, and sort of go from there and then have a have a pre-agreed sort of seeding of territory or resources to the winner. Mm. Um, and it, it does sort of talk about that, you know, as as the Horus Heresy comes along and, and everything sort of gets, you know, tossed up on its end, that the Octellas also became kind of like in a lot of cases like a last ditch suicide night yeah um and and it sort of talks about you know like their pure desperation and like using them so they would be thrown at enemy commanders and like the biggest enemy war machine so like almost like you know say a bunch of like traitor traitor titans turned up or something like that and you had, like, you know, one chance of taking down, you know, this battle titan, and it'd be the Octelia that would be sent out there to, you know, do that last charge. Yeah. If anybody's going to get through the defences and strike the fatal blow, it's going to be the Octelia. Yeah. Um, so in, in, in game terms, they get to highlight um, an enemy lord of war um, or a warlord or something like that, um, and they get bonuses yep. against it. Yeah, exactly. So they pick a target and then they they run at it and kill it. Yep. Um, yeah. Shall we skip the? Oh, I guess no. We, we may as well do them. So the Scion Marshal is the next one on our list. They're basically just your frontline nobles. So they're the ones who don't have any particular role outside of being the knights, like the the guys whose banners you call upon. Um, yeah. When there's rank a fight. and file. Yep. Yeah. But they're still noblemen, right? Is the thing. So they're still oh, they're, they're still, still called knights. Sir. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly right. Is, Everybody's <laughs> still... <laughs> They're very special. Yeah, the peasants are still abasing themselves before them, but mm. they don't have any particular role outside of go to the place, kill the thing, come back and drink in the halls when you're done. Yeah, they, they make up the court for the Seneschal. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yep. And then we've got the Aspirants, which are basically knights in training. Um, so yeah. Been... Sorry, go. Oh, I was just going to say that, like, they're kind of the training ranks to some extent before they become Scion Marshals. Yeah, yes. And then they're the guys who... So they're not quite as good as the Marshals, are they? They've got a Neg 1 to hit. Remember uh, Neg 1 for ballistic skill and weapon skill, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're not quite as good. They're still learning the ropes. Um, yeah, and then you've got the next level down which i think hang on i've got that here somewhere uh scion auxilia uh is the other troops sort of level uh knights which are the ones which are the guys who are piloting armages armages yes 
so they're piloting the little baby knights. Um, they're normally uh, no one important, basically. <laughs> they're aspiring nobles, they're commoners who have a knack for killing things, or they're bastards. Um, yeah. So you don't want to bring into the court, but you're like, well, I still want to give you a chance for honor and glory, so I'll chuck you in an armager. And if you go on to do cool things and earn a name for yourself, maybe you get to the court that way, or you die horribly on the battlefields of the 31st millennium. One or the other. Yeah, yeah. And look, that's that's a throw that's a throwback to, I guess, the idea that, you know, for a, a period that it was possible to earn knightly yes. honors, um, you didn't yep. have to be born into it, so... That's kind of where the armages slot in. Yep. Exactly right. And so then uh, over to you then for the, the Scion Dolorous. Scion Dolorous. So as we were talking about back at the beginning of the segment, um, a lot of these knight households came out of like security forces for colonies. And a lot of the things they had to deal with was like megafauna um, on planets. Uh, and things like that. So the Dolores were beast killers. They would go out and they would hunt like great beasts um, on the different planets. So like, it's think of like St. George and the dragon, right? Yep. Um, going out and finding the biggest beasts they can, cutting its head off and then dragging the head back to the, um, back to the castle and putting it up, uh, up above the walls on a spike. Um, so they they like one of the interesting things and like a lot of the fluff for all the knights it sort of talks about them being um once upon a time like it was all fanfare and amazing and then like you get to the horace heresy and a lot of things that used to be looked up looked upon in this you know like glorious light have kind of lost its shine mm-hmm um, and what they're sort of pressed into doing during the heresy is kind of debasing themselves as knights. Yeah. Um, so it says here, you know, um, Cyandorus is, you know, so it, it also plays one perhaps to whom battle and slaughter have become an addiction to the exclusion of all else and for whom life beyond the confines of their night armour is pale and hollow and mortal danger is their only wine and meat. <laughs> so basically these are the guys that have, to some extent, lost themselves. Yeah. Uh, in, in war. Um, and once upon a time, it would have been glorious. It would have been like, all we want to do is go and hunt these monsters and, you know, make the world, like, you know, safe and, and there's glory to be had and we'll put trophies on the wall. Whereas now it's kind of like we're just mowing the chaff in this gigantic civil war. Um, and I think that's kind of cool how they've kind of, you know, the Horus heresy has reduced knight households. Um, yes, as it reduces everything <laughs> in the Imperium, which is good. Nobody should come out of the heresy looking better than they went in. Yeah. And um, knights are not spared that, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, so these these guys in-game, uh, they're a fast attack choice. Um, they're actually a really good one. They get um, re-roll failed charges mm-hmm. um, and re-rolled failed sweeping advances, which is awesome as well. Um, but they do have to charge. Uh, like, they have this worthy foe. So basically, if there's certain targets, they do have to charge them. Um, yep. Such as like you know, basically, if there's a big primark right? or something like that. Yeah, they have to go after them. 
Yep, something worth killing. Uh, yeah. Cool. Um, so the other fast attack option for knights is the Scion Ulan, um, who are, as the name suggests, kind of your fast flanking raiding sort of cavalry knights, I guess. Um, so their whole thing is that they're a bit quicker on the on the move and on the charge, but less armored. So they do they lose an armor point or do they lose some of their ion shields? I can't remember which way that goes. Uh, their front armor value is reduced by yeah. one. Yep, um, but they're quicker on the on the run. Memory. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. They get scout hit and run. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. Just kind of cool. Yep. yep. So they're kind of the guys who tend to rove ahead of everybody else and and harry the enemy and um, get in amongst it quicker, basically. Yeah. Um, and they they sort of talk about like their pilots being you know like the hotheads. Yep. Um, they, they don't like, they generally, apart from like stripping armor off their knights, um, they're not a big fan of like ranged weaponry. Um, yeah, and in game right. turns, they can only snap shoot at over 24 inches. Um, yep. so these guys are, you know, rocking the, um, the chassis that have got, you know, double close combat weapons, mm -hmm. uh, knight lances, things like yep. that. Gallants, that sort of stuff. Yep. Yep. Makes sense to me. Cool. Uh, onto the heavy support ranks. Mm -hmm. um, so the Scion Arbalester. So these guys are basically artillerymen. Um, generally, they believe that, you know, skill with the gun is an art yeah. form. Um, but at the same time, it's like they don't look to be like, the glory hounds they don't need to be in the thick of it they, they take a they take a lot of you know um pride in destruction from afar being able to be like methodical and mathematical about destruction um yes truly the really most cool. noble of the knights <laughs> as voted by the medring yard city times yep uh, so these guys get tank hunters Mm -hmm. And if it hasn't moved, um, you can count the weapons as having Skyfire as well. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty nice. So they're a pretty good addition to an army, particularly an army that doesn't have a lot of AA support sort of natively. Having an Arbalester or two sort of hang around is not bad. Yep. Um, and the other heavy support is the Scion Implacable, who are the Siege Masters. So they go up to walls and knock them down or shoot them down, basically. Do they get Wrecker? Is that their, is that their big thing? No, that's all right. Uh, so they get plus one twenty results on the building damage table. That's right. Yep. And then they also get infantry crusher, so you can reroll the results of stomps. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So basically, knock down a wall, step on the troops in, step, step on the troops in front of and behind it, um, and yep. make a hole for the other knights to go in and and run amok. Yeah, so you've kind of got the ranged and the close combat um, heavy support yeah. knights, depending on how you're setting up your, house, your knight household. Yep. And is the Implacable, like, the Lord of the Fort as well? I feel like I've, I read that somewhere as well. They're the guys who are uh, in charge of maintaining the keep, basically, when they're not in their suits. Doesn't say anything here in the little bit of flavor okay. text it's got. Um, but they are considered to be um, far more cautious yeah. Than most other um 
than most other knights. So one thing that, that comes out a little bit, and this is where the infantry crusher comes from, is that like a lot of knights, um, they're a bit vain and they don't believe that they're in danger of like being attacked by infantry or being like damaged by infantry in a lot of cases. Yes. Um, whereas these guys are all about like stomping out those little ants. Yeah, that's right. The the ants have uh, rocket propelled missile or, or like missile launchers that can that can hurt us. So we yes. better crush them. <laughs> yeah, yes, very much the opposite of Grand Moff Tarkin, right? Who's like, eh, some X wings aren't going to hurt us. <laughs> and these no, guys no. are the guys like elsewhere in the, on the Death Star. They're like, no, 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 shoot them all down. <laughs> they're all a yeah. problem. These the, these these yeah. guys are deploying the garrison. Yes, that's right. Are we blind? Um, yeah. <laughs> nice. Excellent. So they're, they're, that's basically all of the, the ranks that you get in a knight household, um, particularly in the 30k army list. Um, obviously, for your household, you can make up whoever the hell you want um, and sort of either map them to one of those archetypes or come up with an entirely new character that you can sort of fit in however you like. Um, but they're some of the more common ranks and roles and stuff that you get in... Um, in night households. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Uh, well, what we might do is run through the types of night suits. Yeah. So this is a bit of a bit of a big thing, but I suspect our notes are extensive, but we can move through them, you know, reasonably quickly, mm. uh, which is good. So starting with the armages. So they're like we said before, the smallest night chassis. They're about sort of Contempt of Dreadnought-sized-ish, maybe a little bit bigger, um, piloted by the people who want to be in the court. So they're not quite the courtiers. They're the guys who are aspiring to be there um, and tend to get the job of, much like, I guess, when nobles are out on a fox hunt, um, they're kind of the hounds that push everybody or push all the targets onto the, the hunter's guns. Yep. Uh, and... and normally get linked through to the bosses through the, the Helm Mechanicum and the Throne Mechanicum thing we talked about. Yeah, um, so yeah. the sort of the um, the two most common types of armager that you sort of mm. see are the war glaives, uh, which have the thermal spear, so the big melter cannon, and a reaper chain cleaver. Um, mm -hmm. So they're sort of like breaching armagers to some extent. Mm -hmm. um, and then you've got the helverins, which have got the two giant auto cannons. Uh, so that's ranged uh, mobile range support. Yep, yep, yep. And then um, one of the new ones that we've seen from Forge World recently is the Moirax. Um, we've talked about the models for that elsewhere in other episodes, but basically they're, they're one of those things that I would expect to see an indentured armager hit with first, and then maybe the, the Questor Mechanicus households getting after that. Yep. But basically they've been fitted with a, a radioactive, like they've got a, a radioactive or a nuclear core. <laughs> um and their own scaled down version of void shields instead of the normal sort of ion shield stuff. Um, yeah. But most of the proper knight households don't like it because it's unstable as fuck uh, and uh, uses a whole bunch of dishonorable weapons like radiation to kill its foes. Yeah, so these, these guys aren't really in your maximum gallantry um, <laughs> set. No, no. These are certainly minimum gallantry weapons. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Interestingly, uh, they've got a rule in the experimental rules from Forge World for 30k. Is it 30k? Maybe, maybe it's the 40k rules. But anyway, 
either way, they have to be set up outside of six inches of other knots. That's right. That's right. The other knights don't want to fight knights. with them. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not fighting with that piece of shit next to me. Um, and I think they have to, oh, there's some other drawback if they end up within 12 of them at the end of a turn. Because um, the, the other knights don't like them very much. Awesome. Uh, so now we'll jump onto the Questorus chassis. Yep. So these are all the different types of Questorus knights that you get. So these are your most common, easy to maintain chassis. Um, they make up the bulk of nice households everywhere in the galaxy. Um, and these are obviously the, the plastic games workshop knights. Yeah. Um, give you an idea. So uh, the first one, uh, is the Paladin. So this is the one with the Rapid Fire Battle Cannon and the Reaper Chain Sword. Yep. Um, then we move yep. on to the Errant, which has got uh, the Thermal Cannon. Mm-hmm. Um, so Errant pilots are generally more aggressive um, and they get in close and personal, um, whereas apparently the Paladins are, are, are far more honourable to some extent. Yeah, the errants tend to uh, kind of like the the scion, uh, not the ulans, the ones above them, the the dolorous. The dolorous. Um, yeah, they tend to uh, not forget honor, but certainly they're they're of the mind that the joy of combat is a certain kind of honor all of its own, um, and so we'll sort of forget to bow before a, a worthy opponent and sort of present weapons before running in and murdering them. <laughs> <laughs> no um, tipping of the hat. Unlike. Yeah, that's right. Unlike the next one, which is the Gallant, um, which is the one that's all melee all the time, Reaper Chainsword, Thunderstrike, Gauntlet. Um, the whole idea is that they're all about the Honourable Duel. Um, so everyone gets to go in the ring with the Gallant, but they're not going to hit you from behind. The, the Gallant is there to front you, uh, bow politely, exchange all of the normal niceties, and then kick the shit out of you. Yeah, and then slap you with that giant pimp fist. Mm-hmm. And then throw you at your mates. <laughs> uh, the next knight suit is the Warden. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the guy that's set up with the Avenger Gatling Cannon uh, and some sort of melee weapon. Um, this is the guy that sort of gets stuck in. Like, uh, you might be running the Implacable in a Warden yeah. suit because it's for chaff clearing. It's for, it's for getting rid of, like, infantry. Yep, yep, yep. And then I guess the if the gallant is all melee all the time, the crusader is the other end of that spectrum, all guns all the time. So these are the guys who are likely to be piloting like the the arbalesters and that sort of stuff. Um, you know, quite happily believe that there's no problem that can't be solved by the appropriate application of firepower. Um, so they sort of set up somewhere and just lay on the hurt while all the other knights sort of move to where they're meant to be and then go nuts. Yep. Uh, and then we move on to the um, the Mechanicum Fettled Knights. So mm. the first one's the Majera. Um, so these were designed to give to knight households uh, in an attempt to sort of like open relations with them. It was kind of like the carrot yep. um, before the stick sort of thing. Um, so it has a self-repairing system as well as flare shields. Um, and they came with uh, lightning cannons and giant siege claws. Um, 
Yep. So these guys uh, are all about like siege warfare, um, which is kind of cool. Uh, as well as I guess like the lightning cannon being you know very much anti biological in yes. nature, which is something that's you know very mechanicum. Yep, and they've often got a radiation cleansers built into their siege claws as well. So, mm. um, you know, if if you have exposed skin, prepare to lose it. Uh, yeah, if there's a yeah. Megara sort of floating around. <laughs> what, 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 once again, not really considered to be a maximum gallantry knight. No, not um, particularly. But the mechanicists think it's pretty honourable. Yeah, like, yeah, they love it. They like big things. <laughs> Here's one. Uh, but yes, but because they've got all that cool stuff attached to them, they tend to be prone to reactor overload, which is a problem. That's it. And I think in, in game terms, these guys blow up a bit bigger or something. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then we've got the Styrix, which actually isn't, it looks like a Mechanicus sort of experimental one, but it's not. Um, it's the Black Sheep of the Knight family. Um, so it was it was around before the Age of Strife. Um, and the the rumours are that it's picked up a bad attitude during the Age of Strife. It's been used so often on the front lines. Um, and it's armed with a, a Volkite Chirovile, which is the, the big Volkite gun that it's got on it, and the Siege Claw, like the Megera. Um, mm. But because Volkite weapons are just sort of, not weapons of mass destruction, but weapons of biological clearance, right? You point that at a squad and the squad evaporates. Yeah. Um, they, the the rumours are that it's picked up a, an appetite for just wanton slaughter. Um, and so the Mechanicum don't actually like it because <laughs> it's a bit crazy. Um, and the more mm. conservative knight households uh, don't like it either because it's not maximum gallantry. Um, and so one of the cool bits, tidbits of information I picked up while I was putting the notes together is that it avoids censure as tech heresy by only the slightest of margins. <laughs> so if it picks up just a bit more of a bad attitude, I suspect it tips into tech heresy and then only, you know, chaos households get it. And yeah. I'd imagine there's got to be like an amnesty, right? Like a turn in your Styrix <laughs> um, drive. Melt them down into patio furniture sort of thing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's... all the Questorus household, oh, Questorus chassis, right? All the, the squatter, beetle back, <laughs> yep. two-gun arm sort of sort of knights. Um, yeah, shall we move on to the Dominus then? Who are the other? Yes. I guess that, that would then it. be all three plastic sets because you've got the Armages, the Questorus, and then the Dominus. Um yep. Dominus chassis are kind of the new kids on the block in terms of the plastic kits that we've seen, but they were around during, what, Dark Age of Technology, Age of Strife, Horus Heresy as well. So these are the guys that are the... They look kind of like mini warlords. Um, they're running dual, um, dual plasma cores or dual plasma reactors, um, mostly to power the fact that they're loaded down with guns. Um, so they've all got four melter guns built in, so two twin links sets, uh, and then a mix of siege breaker cannons and shield breaker missiles that sort of run off the top carapace and rain death down on whatever particular target they have in front of them. Yep. Uh, so there's two two variants of of the Dominus class. Uh, mm -hmm. The first is the Castellan. So this is your long range artillery platform. Um, so it's got a um, what's called a volcano lance, which is only a slightly smaller version of the full-size um, volcano cannon that you find on, like, full-size titans um, mm -hmm. and shadow swords. 
Uh, and then it's also got a plasma decimator, which is a ginormous plasma cannon. Um, yep. So if you want something to, to kill something dead from a long way away, Castellan's the way to go. Yes, very much so. Um, and then did you want to chat about the Valiant as well? Yeah, yeah. No, I can do the Valiant as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So the Valiant, which is the other one, is, is the more close support weapons platform. Um, so this guy's got the Conflag Cannon, which is basically the ginormous flamethrower. Um, and then it's also got the Thundercoil Harpoon. Um, so, yeah, this, this guy gets in close and personal, um, basically pins stuff down using the, the Thundercoil Harpoon. Uh, whether it's like a super heavy tank, other knights, you know, you can pull them off balance with it um, and then flame the crap out of them. Yep, basically. Um, yeah, I, I, I quite like both of them. I know some people haven't quite sort of gotten used to the Dominus chassis yet as a, as a knight, um, but I quite, I really like the Valiant and I kind of like the Castellan. Um, but the Valiant, I think, is my first love with that. Thundercoil harpoon and the the triple flamethrower sitting off sitting up the top with the conflag cannon. Um, yeah, it's, look, it, the the valiant's definitely something out of Captain Ahab's wet dream, right? Like, yes, you know. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. And I also quite like the the brutal simplicity of it, right? Like some of these titans or some of these knights, sorry, have um, really high tech, insane weapons, and then you've got one of the heaviest knights floating around, and they're like, you know what? We're just going to fit a giant spike of metal. Under one yeah, of the weapons arms, and we're just going to shoot it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and whatever gets caught is going to die. Um, so again, to give you a sense of things, in 40k, a Thundercoil Harpoon will quite happily pretty much half kill a... Well, will half kill another knight in a single hit. Um, and will quite happily punch through a, uh, a Lehman Russ and kill it without any real problem. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so that leaves us with the um, oh no 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 hang on I've completely missed that two more Uh, so the next to the Serastus so these guys are your resin knights from Forge World Mm -hmm. Uh, your long leggy knights yes yep usually sort of fewer guns than than any of the other um, chassis but more powerful guns uh, which is helpful. So um, there's only what, like four of them there. So there's the the lancer. The lancer's the the most common one that you'll see on the table, I think, um, and is is reasonably common throughout the um, throughout the galaxy as well in the lore. Um, so it's armed with a power lance and a shield. So the shield gives it some extra invulnerable saves, particularly in combat and that sort of thing. Um, but it's making use of the long legs that, that the Serastus chassis has to, to run up, close with the enemy, and then stab them with the lance, kill them, move on to the next target. Um, and normally you're seeing them piloted either by um, uh, the Orctella, the, the champions, or the, the Scions and the, the Seneschals up top, who quite like the, um, the honourable nature of charging in, stabbing someone with a lance, and then carrying on through and charging the next guy. Yep. Yep. Uh, next up, you've got the Castigators. Um, mm-hmm. So these guys are kind of more chaff clearance, again. Um, and then they've also got uh, Tempest Warblades. So these are this is like a giant like power sword, um, 
that I think I remember reading somewhere that it spins. Um, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be wouldn't surprise me. They can, yeah, general green. Yeah, it. yeah, um, it's it sort of like spins up, and you can take out like armor with it, but also like for horde clearance. Um, yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's so flag rate, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, so giant bolt cannons, um, which is kind of yep. cool. Yep. 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 Um, next up is the Acheron, which is another sort of fire-based um, knight. So particularly the, the whole idea behind it is that if you need a local species eradicated, uh, if you need to create an extinction-level event by human means, the Acheron is your knight. Um, <laughs> fairly rare around the place because it takes a bit to build one, um, and its machine spirit is particularly cranky. Um, so this is one of those rare nights where the machine spirit does start to play on the, the pilot's mind. Um, and so most pilots would rather not <laughs> jump in the Acheron. Um, but of course, honor compels them to, if the Seneschal says, no, we need the Acheron, they'll jump in it, um, and sort of come out changed from what they were beforehand. Mm. Yep. Um, so yeah. And then the, uh, the final Sarasa chassis is the Atropos, which mm -hmm. is the anti-night night, um, which makes knights go night, night. Um, it's got a gigantic last cutter and a graviton singularity cannon, uh, yep. which is just a really fancy name for black hole chucker. Um, mm -hmm. so this was, this is a Mechanicus developed knight, um, that goes after, um, heretic and Xenos war machines. Um, basically these guys are like, um, they're like the metaphorical fury of the Omnisire. So they get rolled out to deal with stuff that is like offensive to the Mechanicus. We're just like, you know, blowing it to pieces with a Minotaur artillery um, tank it is just not good enough of a death for whatever this thing is. Yep. We have to like destroy it in a singularity and cut it into little pieces. Yep. Um, now this is the... This is the um, the Sarasa chassis that they talk about. Like, it sends the pilots mad or has a propensity to send them mad mm. um, just because of, like, the hate. Like, I think it's got to do with the hatred that's imbued into it is it's, like, it's created for one purpose and that is to just destroy things um, and generally things that are a lot bigger than it as well. Um, it punches mm -hmm. well above its weight. Um so yeah, it's it's one of the one of the chassis that once again, you know, um, it's it's sort of seen as a last resort. <coughs> yeah, well, it is certainly by the the Imperialis households, but the Mechanicus households don't mind it because they um, share the 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 well, it's not the Adeptus Mechanicus yet, the Mechanicum's um, mm. hatred of heretics and and Xenos war engines that offend the Omnissiah. So they're in the event of fighting something like, I'd imagine, a Wraith Knight or a Gargant or a Stomper or something like that, um, they'd be reasonably happy to jump in one and just sort of run the risk uh, for the sake of the mm. glory of the Omnissiah. Uh, but certainly anyone who's signed a signed a treaty with the Imperium at large is going to be like, mm, mm, maybe not, hey. <laughs> Back hell gun, cool. Going crazy when you shoot it, less cool. Um, and I do like the idea that it's the fact that it's a Mechanicus-designed knight that's driving people mad as well. 
going back to the idea of the mechanicus, not quite yeah. having the same grasp of things that the guys did in the dark. <laughs> technology. Yeah, get get their sticky fingers on things, and it's it's all over. Yeah, they're like, hang on, lights are cool, but what if we put even bigger guns on it? And then they're like, oh, that's why they didn't do that, <laughs> killing the pilots. <laughs> ah, whatever, it's fine. Pilots are cheap. And then they came up with a two-pilot system where they dream walk with each other. And no, hang on, that's... Sorry. Wrong thing, wrong thing. Used it to fight giants... Godzilla? Or Tyranids or something, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but then we talk about the last uh, sort of knight chassis, which is the, the Acastus knight, um, which is, I think, the biggest non-Collegia Titanicus unit or individual sort of war engine that the Imperium has at its disposal, apart from, obviously, naval combat. Ground-based. Um, uh, I, I still think the capital Imperialis. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. But, it, but yeah, as far as, like, you know, bipedial war machines of the Imperium goes. Yeah, so they're basically the warhound <laughs> size. These are, the, these are the, um, the big ground boys that you see from Forge Worlds, the, the Death Balls. Um, and at the moment, we've only encountered two different classes, the Porfarian, which has the twin Magnalaz cannons, um, and the Asterius, which is armed with the giant conversion beamers. So either way, they set up somewhere far away, uh, and then they shoot until the thing is dead, and then they shoot the next thing until it is dead. Mm. Um, but the big thing is, the reason that you don't have, generally speaking, households of Acastus Knights is that they're real resource-intensive, um, so normally you can sort of supply, what, four or five Questorus chassis for the, the cost of one Acastus. Um, yeah. And you need quite specialist knowledge to operate and, and sort of maintain one. So some households might not have even seen one before. Other households might have one or two, but it's rare to find one with more than that. Um, yep. Just because they take so much to keep to keep active. Um and that's it. They're all the different night house or night types that we've encountered so far. Um, Although I'm sure we missed. No, not, not not that I can sort of think of. Um, but it's sort of yeah. worth noting that the, the, it's like a treasure trove that the night background and everything else. So Games Workshop will continue to add to it. And they're amazing models. They're they're, they're really great looking models. So <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, so should we talk about, so that's all the, the narrative behind Knights, particularly in the, the 30k, but also most of that applies to 40k as well, because um, it's much, like a lot of it sort of carries through Knights, as with yeah, most things just, in the Imperium, don't out. change much post-heresy, it's just the next yeah. sort of steps, yeah. Um, so should we talk about them on the tabletop? Let's do it. Excellent, excellent. Um, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I think the big thing in, in 30K with them is that um, I'm just seeing if you've got this written down here anywhere in the in the notes. Um, but you can basically plug and play knights into other lists really easily. Uh, that I didn't say, yeah. Um, and it's and it's something that, like, um, I've never played a full knight household on the table. Um, I've never built one for the table, but I used to use knights as plug and play um, either allied detachments or as individual Lords of War within other detachments. So there's like yeah. quite a few ways you can play Knights and get them onto the table, depending on how many you own, what you need mm -hmm. them for. And one of the really good things with Knights is because there's so many different types of chassis, if you're missing something out of your army, like if you need Horde clearance 
Acherons, Castigators, you know. Yep. Um, was it Wardens? No, not Wardens. Yeah, Wardens. Yeah, yeah. Wardens are the anti-infantry yeah. one. Wardens. Um, you can put them in there. Uh, if you want something that's going to go and nuke maybe other knights, you've got the Atropos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lancers are pretty good at that. Mm-hmm. So, like, there's a there's a knight for every occasion, and in 30k, you've got a way to put it into your army for every occasion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's what I'll start off by saying. Nice. Excellent. So... Uh, that's good. So yeah, so basically almost every faction, well, you can take allied knights with anything, but every faction has access to knights as a Lord of War as well, don't they? Except maybe Militia. I'm not yes. sure that Militia can take them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, th- I think they, they drop in for, yeah, all your different Space Marines, Solar Exilia, yep. Mechanicum. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, and I think Mechanicus, or Mechanicum, I should say, um, also get to give them a couple of extra buffs because basically, if you're dropping them into the Mechanicum list, they count as indentured, and so they're normally do they get blessed auto simulacra if they're Mechanicum, if they're in Mechanicum th- list, or they they can yeah, take it. Yeah, I, I think there's there's certain benefits to them being in a Mechanicum list, and then there's certain benefits that the Questorus Imperialis guys get. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Nice. Um, so basically, in terms of on the tabletop, they're super heavy walkers, so they're immune to basically everything on the vehicle damage table except for explodes. Um, they can split fire. Yes, they can split fire. Um, they can... Uh, can they shoot out of combat? No, they can't. That's just about the only thing they can't do. Um, but, you know, they, they carry with them all of the all of the reasons that we didn't necessarily like Super Heavies in 7th edition. <laughs> um, uh, but I guess one of, the, one of the key things to remember is that they can't take things like um, Armored Ceramite. So they're still quite vulnerable to melter weapons and that sort of stuff. Um, at least from, you know, as far as anything that's got six hull points and is armor 13 all around, just about, is yeah. vulnerable to anything. Um, uh, because they're super heavy walkers, they explode in the apocalyptic blast marker when they're destroyed. Um, they can stomp, which we talked about before, or which we mentioned before, where you put the blast markers down and take things off the table. Yeah, um, so, so, roll. So something that's worth mentioning with regards to the um, the catastrophic detonation mm-hmm. is I've seen a single knight going up in the middle of a, a full knight army, take out two or three other knights with them, and then they go off at the same time. Yep. Um, so you can kind of chain off, <coughs> chain off like entire knight armies and things like that. So. It's just something to like keep in mind when you're playing them. Is that you do want to, you know, where possible, keep them spaced out. Yep. Yep, very much so. Um, but having said that, they're all still, you know, six or more hull points per knight. Armor twelve on the back, but thirteen on the front normally. And they've got the ion shield, which is a five five plus no four plus invulnerable save. Yep. Um, uh, which so basically you pick a side, you pick a facing for your knight, front, side, uh, left or right. I don't think you can do rear with the ion shield, right? No. Or, no, you can. Ooh. Yeah, can that's you? right. Yeah. I know you can't with the Lancer, and that's part of the drawback ah, of yes. the shield. Sorry, that's normal yeah, knights that's you can do the back. So basically you pick a facing, you say for the until the next until your next shooting phase, my knight has a four plus invulnerable save on that side. Uh, which just gives them a bit more survivability against big gun things like shadow swords, like warhounds, all that sort of stuff, other knights. Yeah. Um, all of those sorts of things. Um, 
And then, as we've sort of mentioned up the top, in the Fortnite <laughs> army, um, everyone can specialize, so they can become one of the the few the different types of scions with their own buffs and effects in game, um, which we've already talked about up top. But basically, it's 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 the fun of it is taking your your royal court out and going and and ruffle stomping some peasants. Um, <laughs> Or yeah. the 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 lack of mental fatigue that comes from playing six models for like an event. I, I was I was just gonna say that um one of the big things and and like this is this is 40k, but it's my personal anecdote with this was <laughs> when I went over to the, the States last year, um yep. and I'd been sort of flying all over the place and I caught up with um Dave in Kansas and we went for a a game. <coughs> A game, like a game day of 40k um i actually took one of his night households yep because i was like 2000 points i haven't slept properly in like three or four days i'm jet lagged the last thing i want to do is try and move like an entire imperial guard army around on a table mm-hmm. um i think it was three nights i think it was like an acheron as uh, an acheron a lancer and a um castigator and i was yep. like that'll do <laughs> Um, that was really good. That was really easy to sort out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And there's a little bit more sort of paperwork in 30k because you've got to choose your ion shield facing and you've got to remember where your weapon arcs are and that sort of thing. But it's still only like five or six models. So it's actually not an awful lot of stuff to remember and keep track of. Um, plus, you're immune to a lot of small arms fire. So you got that going mm-hmm. for you too, which is nice. <laughs> yep. Um, so, Andrew, if I had to fight knights, if I were going to, to play against knights, how would I beat them? So, I think the really big thing with knights, um, and, and, like, they look big and scary on the tabletop, and one of their biggest benefits is actually the psychological effect yes. um, of being able to put down a knight against somebody. But the best thing to do is work your target priority out. Yeah. So, like with anything that's big, any sort of super heavy, is you want to be focusing on one of them until it's dead and then you move on you don't spread your fire because then you're going to do a little bit of damage to all of it um yep. obviously in, in 30k one of the big things is that ion shield right you have to pick which side it's going on so the way to do deal with knights in a lot of cases especially say like you're a, a space marine commander and you're on the battlefield and you're trying to work out where you're going to set things up don't refuse a flank with all your devastators and your tanks because then the knights just walk up and go, cool, that's where my iron shield's going. Deal with it. Yep. Shields to the left. <coughs> you want to kind of pincer knights is the best way to talk about yeah. it. You want to have, you know, probably like a good solid fire base in the middle of your gun line. And then you want some stuff on either side that can harry it. And then you want to put the knight player in a situation where they have to work out, do I want to get hit by six last cannons? Do I want to get hit by some laser vindicator destroyers that are coming that way? Or do I want to get hit by this squad of like melter gun guys that's jumping out of a rhino and they're all in different facings? Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's yep. how you want to stress the knights. Um, the other the other two ways you can deal with them are obviously um, deep strikers are quite good because you can just put them into whatever facing the shield is not on. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can get stuff like Melter close up because they don't have that ceramite. Um, or if you're particularly ballsy, um, 
deep strikers so you could get a, a very close charge in. So if you got like yeah. you know um, things like Thunderhammer Termies, um, that sort of stuff. Uh, chain fists are great for dealing with them. Uh, even melter bombs, get them in there yep. and do that. The other thing is uh, aircraft are fairly good. As we we're saying earlier in the episode, a lot of night armies don't have a ton of anti aircraft fire. Mm-hmm. So. <coughs> Um, you can sort of get in and do a ton of damage with aircraft, almost with impunity. Uh, so, you know, Primaris Lightning's filled up with Kraken Penetrators. Generally, throw that down the throat of any knight, it's going to disappear. Yep. I keep forgetting that in 30k, Lightnings are called Primaris Lightnings. I was like, ooh, Primaris in 30k. Uh, wrong Primaris. Yeah, it's a lightning that's uh, crossed the Rubicon Primaris. That's right. It's been upgraded. It's got those extra organs. It's got wingseps. <laughs> is it a lieutenant, though? <laughs> of course it is. Everything's Excellent. a lieutenant. Yeah. Good. Um, and and you've, you've written in big letters here, don't get stomped. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is probably a pretty good point, considering the number of Primarchs that get stomped out in 30k. Well, that's the thing, right? Like, it's not like you get, uh, you take X number of wounds that you then get to save against or anything like that. It's not like you get a roll against it. It's just take the model off the table at a six. Yep. So if you roll high enough against a, against a Primarch, or if you roll, you know, really well against a, against a five man squad of Terminators with chain fists, then game over. They're just off the table. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Uh, yeah. Thank you for playing. But I think, like, um, as I say, like, like knights are big things psychological. They're big, they're stompy, mm. scary. Um, but they're not, they're really not that hard to deal with. Um, I think at the smaller the points, the harder it is to deal with them. Yes. Um, so, like, I've seen people run knights at, like, 1,500 points, mm-hmm. and that's where they're really freaking nasty. Yes. Because it's not a ton in your army that can kind of deal with it. As you're saying, a lot of small arms just does nothing to knights. So yeah. it invalidates a lot of armies at that points level. Yeah. But, you know, at 2,000 points, you should have enough in your army to deal with one or two knights across the course yep. of the game. Um, at 3K, most armies I've ever seen, 30K, could deal with an entire knight household without breaking a sweat. Um, and I think once you work out how to deal with knights and you get comfortable with it, they become quite an easy matchup for a lot of people. Yes. Um, because all knight households, regardless of how, like, the chassis differences, um, the household ranks, they play very similar to each other. Like, it's possibly different now that you can run, like, armager swarms. Yeah. Uh, and things like that. And even the Dominus classes might have changed it a little bit. Yeah, maybe. But, you know, they have problems picking objectives off. They have problems being where they need to be in some cases. Yep. Um, so, you know, outmaneuvering knights is not particularly difficult unless they're running, like, all Serastus knights. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I think that's some some good tech for, uh, for beating knights if you need to do it. Nice. Yeah, I think so, too. And that's the thing, right? Like, don't lose your cool. <laughs> Um, know what you want to do, make it happen. 
um, you know, target a knight from multiple sides so that they have to choose where the, the shields are going up. Um, and yeah, deep strikers and planes are your friends, basically. Most yeah, just... knights I've seen have been killed by melter gun bet squads deep striking in in a pod, something like that. Yeah, just just pretend you're an iron warrior. You want to mathematically work out all your angles, um, <laughs> and then you just want to apply overwhelming force and knock mm-hmm. that knight out. That's that's the best way to deal with them. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Well, that's basically our breakdown on knights on the tabletop. Um, so do we want to move into our questing knights uh, as we go through? So do you want to do your, your free blade first, and then we'll move into my house? Yeah, yeah, okay. So um, I currently own two knights. Um, as I said, you know, I've only ever used them as, like, plugins for other armies. I've had a few more in the past, but I've sort of moved on. So the two I've got at the moment, I've got an Atropos, which if you go back to like episode 20 somewhere high in the 20s or the 30s we did a um an episode on the loaded dice's own night household that we came up with um and i talked about my atropos so i'm going to talk about my lancer uh so my lancer was actually um painted for me by marty over at monkey's minis um and it's really awesome he did um some awesome posing work so he's doing the uh the movie Troy, Achilles, when he like, like jumps off the, um, basically does a little like side jump and stabs the guy in the back of the neck. Yep. yep, yep. Um, it's doing that pose uh, oh. as a lancer, which is really cool. Um, Very neat. <coughs> sorry, I'm just hacking up the lung here. Um, and so this guy's a free blade. Um, so we didn't really talk about free blades, but free blades are individual single knights. Um, very much kind of the questing knight ideal in a lot of cases. And there's a whole lot of reasons why free blades might exist. So I've always loved them because of what you can do with them narratively and you can paint them up without any thought of like, I have to paint another five knights that look all the same. You can just do what yep. you want with them. Nice. So my guy is... Lucian the Oars, uh, which basically is Lucian the Bear. Um, so this guy originally was part of a knightly household um, that no longer exists. So he was a scion Dolores, and he was a direct son of the house's seneschal. Um, so he was directly related there. Um, but basically, at some point, um, the household was sent out to deal with a threat it wasn't a particularly large household so the seneschal all of his sons um they suited up they went out um and basically lucian was the only one that was left mm-hmm. um so like a lot of uh, a lot of his backstory is about like the redemption story it's about you yep. know he's trying to regain the honor of his household um, but he like he won't until he's regained that honor and he doesn't really know how to do it. He'll know it when he comes across it. Yeah. Um, right. So he's like, he's looking for something worthy to regain his honor on. Um, and only then will he speak, you know, his, um, his household's name again. Um, and he's obliterated any record of his house and he's not wearing his house colors. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And the really cool thing is like um, the Lancer, and I might actually get some photos of it and uh, pop it up on you know, Instagram so you can see it. It's, it's awesome. But it's a very, um, there's not a ton of heraldry on it. Um, it's It's got a couple of different, like, there's some chevrons and some stripes and some slashes, but um, Marty didn't go crazy with like the um, the decals or anything like that. So it's like yeah, very right. restrained. And so I've worked that in that like, you know, he's obliterated a lot of that from his armor because he doesn't feel worthy to wear any of his old campaign honors or anything like that. Um, and I also imagine that he's probably going, that Lucian's probably going mad to some extent. And the, uh, yep. and the animus, the, the machine spirit of the Lancer is kind of dragging him into that as well. Is it's just looking for like, like the next fight, the next duel, like, you know, am I going to regain my honor? And the idea is that like, no, he's never going to, he's never going to get there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, kind of a tragic figure, but I kind of like that. Um, and the idea is that, um, I could add him into basically any army because yep. to him, he doesn't care anymore. Um, like yeah, he doesn't so see, allegiances are irrelevant. Yeah, he doesn't really see too much of a difference. So, like, you know, he rocks up somewhere and he obviously has some sort of, like, household support left to be able to, trans like, transit himself. But... Yep. You know, like okay, we'll end up on the side of the Death Guard in this in this particular engagement because there's something big and nasty on the other side, and maybe that's what I need to kill to get my honor back. Um, yeah. So it's not that like he just he just doesn't care for the heresy. It doesn't mean anything to him. Um, yep. Yeah. So that's my questing night, Lucian Laws, the Bear. Nice. Very cool. Um, so I'm going to talk about one of the guys from House Rainwood of Forgeworld Erdesh. So if you've read the Gaunt's Ghost series, Forgeworld Erdesh will be familiar. Um, I've made up House Rainwood as just a, a house, a, like a Questor Mechanicus household that's stationed there, um, uh, which has been a bit of fun. So the interesting part for 30k then is that the Sabbat Worlds aren't actually brought into the Imperium until M30, I want to say 32, um, might be 34 though. So basically after the Heresy. Um, so these are guys who have, in 30k, I tend to run them as a household that's questing out from Erdesh into the galaxy and have encountered the Imperium. So the, the Forge oh, World yeah, is still okay. safe and secure far away from the Imperium and sort of its own autonomous thing. But the, the, the knights who are out on quest from House Rainwood have sort of signed on with whatever expeditionary fleet found them, and it can be whichever one you want, you know, until I lock that down. Um, yeah, nice. Uh, basically, they've agreed to, in exchange for resources and material and information on the galaxy at large, fight with the Imperium. And then the heresy breaks out, and then they're like, well, we're not going home anytime soon, so we may as well just dig in and fight. Mm. Um, and so then they sort of start setting up some sort of more uh, legit ties, I guess, to the, the, the Mechanicus, or Mechanicum, I should say, sorry. Um, so I'll talk about um, my Scion Marshal, who we said was sort of the boring level character but i quite like my scion marshal um i try and so as part of building my knights i've also built uh the pilots for all of my knights so i've made like little like 25 and sort of 32 mil based characters to represent each of my knight pilots um, and lord magnus rainwood of the knight gallant irrepressible fury is one of my favorites so i'll talk about him a bit 
Um, so basically, all of my all of my um, scions for the night for the night households all have the surname Rainwood because it's one it's one family households. You know, so it's cousins and and distant relatives and stuff fighting together as a unit underneath the Black Baroness, um, Lucretia Rainwood. Uh, but Lord Magnus Rainwood is a is an experienced war veteran, so he's fought in several campaigns against other heavy knights, against other you know big bio titans and stuff like that. Um, so he's one of the the few guys who actually has combat experience pre joining up with the Imperium, and particularly significant combat experience. So he's often training the the armagers and stuff. Um, but if you get him, if you catch him outside of his gallant, he's a crippled old man. So he's missing a leg. Um, you know, he's got dents and bruises all over him. His armor's poorly maintained. He's got the head wounds, um, all that sort of stuff. So he's the guy on the gurney from the the Joven kit from the Solar oh, Auxiliary. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. So he's he's basically running around on this little auto gurney, which is his, his only method of transport um, outside of his night. But then you put him in his night gallant, you plug him in, and he just comes alive, right? Because the gallant is is crossing sort of you know the territory in leaps and bounds to get to grips with things, punch them to death, um, all that sort of stuff. So he's he's one of those those sort of knights, knight characters, knight scions who really comes alive when the knight is sort of surrounding him. Um, and then outside of the knight, he's still you know a, a soldier, so he's gregarious and and sort of a little bit gruff, but still quite honourable in in um, attitude. Um, but I wrote a short story for him a while ago that I haven't put up anywhere and I haven't really gone back oh. and tweaked where, yeah, I know, right. I got really into my law for my, my house. Um, but basically he's at like some, uh, function on Erdesh with all of the night households in attendance. Um, and because he's a crippled old man with a head wound, um, someone gave offense uh, and called him that basically to his face. And so he issued a, an honor duel or like a, he challenged them to a duel um, and they come at him with a lancer. So he goes into his gallant piles in and kicks the shit out of him. <laughs> nice. um, because as much as he may play the, the wounded old veteran who doesn't really know what's going on anymore, he's still a real clever dude. Um, yeah. yeah. And still quite uh, capable on the battlefield. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, and that's I, Lord I, Magnus. Well, I, I think you might need to um, you might need to dust that story off and, and get it posted up after this episode goes live. Because yeah, I definitely want to read it. I'll have to refine <laughs> it at some stage. But yeah, no, he's cool. I like him. But I like all of my all of my characters. I've built little sort of stories in my head for all of them. Mm. Um, it's one of those things, right, where because I've converted all of my knights so much, and I'll chuck some photos up on, on the Facebook page for that as well. But because I've converted them all so much, as I was converting, I was building the stories around them. So they've all got little sort of stories and bits and pieces floating around them now. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that's, cool. well, like, if you're the sort of person that wants to name every guardsman in your army, mm-hmm. play knights. Mm-hmm. <laughs> play knights because you can go Less to name. town on them. Like, yes. the modeling opportunities, the painting opportunities. Like, um, one of the coolest things I've seen is, like, guys that do... Um, like you generally see like kill banners on Titans and stuff, mm. but I've seen people that do like kill banners on like Knights and mm-hmm. you can add to them, right? Like they're more than a lot of stuff in 30 K and 40 K they could be like living and breathing to some extent because yeah, they're massive models. You can, you know, you can keep armor plates free of heraldry and then add stuff depending on like, you know, what, amazing victories they're part of um Mm -hmm. as you've done you can create like 
the pilots themselves. Um, like I know there's been, there's a guy holding the helmet under his arm. That was a, was he a limited edition guy or is he just able to uh, buy him a forge world? Maybe you just buy question. him. I think, I think you can just buy him. And there's the one <laughs> in the throne as well. Yep. There's the seated guy that you can do stuff with. Um, but I was actually saying, I was actually saw the other day, um, war game exclusive, um, has yes. a whole bunch of like night pilots and things like that. And you can generally just find anybody in some sort of like padded, like flight suit looking thing mm-hmm. would work fairly well for night pilots. So, so if, if you are thinking about night pilots, the parts that I've found most useful are solar auxilia characters. Cause they've got the same sort of armor plating. Yeah. Good call. Um, or if you don't want to use them, a box of Tempesta Scions and you don't put the backpacks on, you cut off some of the, the extra bits and pieces and you use different heads. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. yeah. So that's where that's where most of mine have come from. Mm. Um, and then I think two of them I've made out of the, the resin guy um, standing around. So I made yeah. one of them a woman and I gave the other guy a Mechanicus head. Mm. Actually, um, talk... Talking about that, and when, when I was when I was writing the show notes up and thinking about um about Lucian and and whatnot, mm-hmm. um, I just remembered it is Marty actually painted for me ages ago the Scion standing there with the helmet in his arm, nice, um, and he painted him up like a um, a Fallout Vault survivor, so uh-huh. he's got like the blue and the yellow tunic. Um, yep. So I'm just thinking, I guess that's Lucian. Um, he yeah. was sort of like the unnamed. He was, uh, I think we were using him in a, a mini campaign we ran as just like an objective marker a lot of the time. Um, yes. yep. so yeah, no, that's a, that's a great model. Um, and actually really good for head swaps. Um, yes. Yep. Very easy to slice the head on that one. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very much so. Um, <laughs> awesome. I do recommend it if you, if you are into the narrative of your night households, have a crack at making a pilot for at least a couple of your nights, particularly a Seneschal or your Lord Sion, whoever's in charge. Um, they should have someone. But, um, yeah, I went whole hog and did everybody except for the armature pilots. Lovely. Um, but, yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit of fun. Cool. Um, so that's the questing night section. So, Doug, you were going to do Call the Banners, which is uh, our army listing segment um that bounces off our main segment so you're going to actually talk about the whole the full military might of house rainwood in 30k pretty much so the idea is i built a 3000 point list because active heresy is 3000 points for age of darkness armies so i figured i'll just throw that list up there and we'll talk about why i've made some of the decisions that i've made um so my hq let's start there uh, i've got the black baroness uh lady lucretia rainwood herself piloting her knight castellan um, whose name escapes me because I don't have them right in front of me, which is foolish. Actually, no, I do. That's a lie. I have them right here. Um, uh, <laughs> Baroness Lucretia Rainwood is piloting the Incontrovertible Authority, um, which is a Dominus Knight Castellan. Love it. <laughs> um, interestingly, it was her father's Atropos before it came into her possession, um, but her father died gloriously in battle and in such a catastrophic manner that the Atropos's weapons and most of its systems were unrecoverable. Um, and so she's turned the rig into a Castellan instead. Very nice. Um, yeah, and has, has set it up that way. Um, so she's my she's my leader. The reason I made her a Seneschal in a Castellan was partially because I liked the idea. 
Um, and partially because then it's what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight guns shooting a turn at ballistic skill five. Um, and she's got a three plus invulnerable save on an armor 13 chassis with seven hull points. <laughs> yeah, look, that's that's definitely like if, if you don't feel like putting your seneschal in like a perfiron, um, yeah, the, the yeah, castellans are pretty, yeah, the castellans are pretty good, pretty good choice for it. <laughs> And she can engage things from basically any range because the Volcano Lance is range 80, so it's you know not like that's going to be uh, out of position uh, at any given time, really. Um, so I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, she doesn't get anything else for being the, the Seneschal, except that she can roll two Warlord traits and pick the one she wants, um, which is also helpful. Yeah. So just that sort of stuff. Those bits and pieces. Um, my other HQ is the Lady Paloma Rainwood, uh, who's piloting a Knight Crusader, the Indefatigable Resolve, um, which is, again, the, the double-decker Beetleback Knight. So it's got the, the Rapid Fire Battle Cannon, the Avenger Gatling Cannon, um, a Heavy Flamer, two Heavy Stubbers, and I threw a Twin-Linked Icarus Auto Cannon on it just for some Skyfire support. Very nice. Um, but again, that's all of those guns at Ballistic Skill 5. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which is great. Uh, the next thing, I guess, is Lord Johan Rainwood in the Inescapable Vigilance, uh, he's, which is the Knight Valiant, and he's my Scion Preceptor. Um, so he's the one who gives everyone within six inches Interceptor and Overwatch. Uh, and so I figured Overwatch with the particularly the Conflagration Cannon uh, has to be pretty good, right? <laughs> Um, yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and then giving that to everybody within six inches of him is also quite effective. Yeah, so I'm, um, so I'm guessing he, he's going to be like what the, the the point of the spear to some extent, sort of giving that buff out. Yeah, basically, probably actually the the um, the center of the wheel. I would imagine. I tend to imagine him as he's the one in the middle. Oh, nice. Okay, I like that. Yeah, sucking in all the data and then feeding it out to the spokes, which is all the other knights. Um, who are running up and, and doing their thing. Um, but again, you know, the the Valiant is a fairly durable platform with a shitload of guns. So it's hard to hard to argue with that, really, when we're thinking about sort of options there. Um, uh, moving to my heavies, my heavy is Lord Edward Rainwood in the Inviolable Bulwark, which is my Knight Warden, uh, and he's a Scion Arbalester. So he's got an Avenger Gatling Cannon, um, and a Storm Spear Rocket Pod, which is the Heavy 3 sort of Rocket Pod. Um, yep. And the whole idea there is that none of his weapons are Blast or Template, except for the Heavy Flamer um, that he's got underneath his Avenger Gatling Cannon. So he can quite happily stand still, get Skyfire, and still shoot all of his guns effectively. Yeah. Um, the the great benefit would be parking him next to uh, the in, the inescapable vigilance because then he has interceptor as well. So if that lightning comes on to shoot its krakens at me, I can go no no no. I have a tank hunter with an avenger gatling cannon and a storm spear rocket pod. Yeah yeah, or even like that's gonna that's gonna take out something dropping out in a pod as well, right? Like mm-hmm. you know somebody like lobs a oh by the way, <laughs> something I should have mentioned in the anti anti night thing is throw leviathans at knights. Um, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so obviously, like that's a good way to deal with Leviathan's potting in or whatever, um, whatever mm-hmm. else gets put in a pod. Yep, pretty much. So that's kind of why he's <clears> in there, just to be that sort of anti deep strike sort of defense. Um, and he's got his Reaper Chain Sword if things get too close, anyway, or he can just stomp on stuff 
either or. Um, awesome. And then my my troops, uh, Lord Magnus Rainwood in the Irrepressible Fury. We've talked about him a lot, so I won't say too much about him, except that he's got a Reaper Chainsword, a Thunderstrike Gauntlet, and he's got objective secured. So he can run up, sit on an objective, punch people off it, and still hold it at the end of the end of the turn. Um, and then the only other thing is my my nameless scions. Uh, oh, sorry, my nameless squires. Um, in the I think I've got two Helverins and two Warglaves in this list. Yes, uh, they're both yeah. again. Yeah, they both have objective secured again. So the Helverins can sit at the back on one of my objectives or into a midfield objective, park on it, still be effective. Armages run up with uh, Lord Magnus and you know sort of support him as he charges in. Yeah, awesome, yep. and that comes That's out. It. Exactly three thousand points. Very nice. Uh, yes, I believe it's exactly three thousand. It might be slightly more or less. Let me check. It is nope three thousand points on the dot. Lovely. Um, and you're rocking yeah. one, two, three, four, five big knights. Um, yep, five big knights, four little small knights. So you're actually putting quite a fair bit on the table at three thousand points, yep. like for a knight army. Um, like, I'm just trying to think. Uh, I've played against uh, Mr. Hollis's Knights, yep. um, which actually, if I get a chance, I'd love to grab him on to talk about his uh, Knights. So he usually runs, like, I think three or four Knights. Um, yep. I remember Andrew Bigwood's um, glorious Knight household that he was using there for quite a few years. Uh, but I think yeah. he only ever ran up to, like, four or five Knights with it. Uh, yep. So, yeah, no, getting getting nine models onto the table um, is, is looking pretty good. Yeah. And so th one of the things you'll notice with my list is that there's no uh, Serastus chassis in there. Ah, yes, because the, um, the Atropos is actually a Castellan, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Um, so part of that is I quite like the Beetlebacks, uh, particularly once you add on the, the Forge Worlds, like the Mechanicus style, shoulders and, and back plates yeah. and stuff, they end up looking quite nice. Um, and partially because, I guess, being a, a Questor Mechanicus list, or Questor Mechanicus household, I should say, they don't have quite so many Serastus chassis, but will have a lot of that those sort of Mechanicus-style Beetlebacks floating around. Yeah, cranking them out uh, at, at the Forges and Erdesh sort of thing. Exactly. And so the reason that the Castellans build out of the Atropos is because the Atropos is the most Mechanicus-y Serastus knight. Yeah, so nice. it's still got the same sort of shoulders and, and, and that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, the other theme that I took through all of my knights as I was building them is they've all got Cyclops eyes. So none of them have like two eyes or like a, a standard helmet style looking head. They've all got single eye sort of. Heads. Oh, nice. I didn't, hadn't ever noticed that when I was looking at them. Yeah, that's cool. Mm -hmm. but partially because when I started building them, I was painting the eyes like the personality cores out of Portal. <laughs> uh, and I just kept that theme going through the whole thing. So they're all, all the cores are in there, including GLaDOS uh, and Atlas and Peabody from Portal 2. Um, so keep an eye out for that if you ever play against my knights. Oh, that's very cool. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that's, um, that's Call the Banners for this evening. Yep. So what I think we're going to do is take a quick break here, and then we're going to come back with Hobby Hacks and close the show out.
And welcome back. Uh, we're going to close out our uh, episode tonight, like we normally do, with Hobby Hacks, talking about something that uh, we find useful for particularly something related to the main segment, if we can, or just a tip that we want to share with you uh, as we close out the show. So this one is quite linked to nights, and particularly 30k nights and that sort of stuff. Uh, I want to talk about two companies that make excellent bits. One of them is Legio Models. Um, if you've ever seen them on Facebook or on the internet, they do like armor plates for knights. So particularly uh, chaos ones normally, but they've also got some really cool like um, old school, you know, like the clamshell knight armor. Yeah, yeah. These, like the these stuff. Yeah, these guys do like I've seen quite a few of these kits up fairly close. Um, yep. They and you've noticed it here. Um, they are very expensive. Like uh, a full, um, like carapace replacement kit from Legio Models basically doubles the cost of your knight. Mm -hmm. um, dollars wise, uh, I think they're like a hundred something, like a hundred to a hundred and ten US dollars. Um, yep. But they are gorgeous. The quality is amazing yeah. on them. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's so many different types uh, out there, and they're always pumping more out. So um, have a look at those guys. I think they are um, they have a web page, I think. Yes, they seconds. do. Just models.com. Yeah, um, so they, they are, a, I think they're Russian or Ukrainian. Yeah. Um, but they have all sorts. So, like, if you're looking at Chaos Knights at the moment, especially, yeah, they've got a ton of Chaos Knights, including one called Boob Armor Kit for <laughs> your uh, Slaneshi Knights. Um, but they do all sorts of things. Like, there's a there's a Custody style knight. There's a Blood Angel style knight. So it's kind of like anything you want your knight to look like. Um, yep. These guys basically do it. I actually really like, not to get too bogged in it, but I quite like their Ultramarines suit as well, which you'd think would look quite boring and plain, but they've made it look really, like it ties in quite well with the Ultramarines, particularly Heresy Ultramarines, mm. um, while still being sufficiently different from the core knight set that, you know, you can sort of go, oh, cool, that's an Ultramarines knight, not just a random knight that's painted blue. Yeah, like if, 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 I, had to, if I had to pick one of their knights that I, I really like, it's their big knight gold armor kit. So this is for the Dominus chassis. And this is like the very, uh, yeah. like this thing is stunning. Like it replaces all the armor panels and looks almost like the, like it should be a, um, like a Lucius, like a Lucius pattern warlord armor. Like it's very yeah. angular. There's like big, big like eagles over there, like the helmets and stuff. Yeah. It's really, really yeah. cool. <laughs> yep. so, yeah, so go, go with, um, yeah go, go take a look at uh legiomodels.com yeah yep well worth a look the other group the other guy i wanted to talk about is tarot model maker who's on etsy so just search tarot model maker on etsy t-a-r-o and then model maker is all one word um tarot does like extra bits and pieces so not so much the full armor plates but like random extra things that enhance the night for you so my my valiant um uh, the Inescapable Vigilance is chock full of this sort of stuff, right? So it's got the uh, the knee extenders so that it's a bit taller than a basic Questorus Knight. It's got the, the shields that sit behind the melter gun so that you don't get quite the same sort of open gap um, there on the Dominus chassis. It's got the, the extra toe armor so it looks a little bit more like a Warlord. Um, just about the only thing I didn't chuck onto it was the... Um, 
uh, was the extra chain on the Thundercoil harpoon because I'd already built it by the time that came out. <laughs> um, but at the same time, they also do extra cool stuff. So they do like um, uh, like little extra armor flaps to hang off the, the basic plastic shoulders so that they look a bit sort of chunkier. Um, they do extra weapon arms as well if you need extra like Avenger Gatling cannons or extra battle cannons or different battle cannons. So different, I've got yeah. a like a short, stunty, um, mortar-style rapid-fire battle cannon. Um, all that sort of stuff. They just do a ton of things, um, which is really cool. Yeah. And, and I think um, they, they do, like, a lot of different close combat weapons. and Yeah, both stuff like uh, that double-sided fists yeah. is really good, too. So a left and a right Thunderstrike gauntlet. Mm. So you could do a, a dude with both if you really wanted to or swap over the weapon so it's just a little bit different. Um. The, the only other one, sorry, I, I didn't write it down, but there's one called, uh, there's a group called Soldark.ru. Um, so they're a Russian company again, but they do posable Questorus night legs. Uh, I remember you talking about those guys, yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to cut up the plastic ones. Um, but for, I think it's, I want to say like 40 US maybe, maybe 50. Um, you get like a, a set of Questorus legs that's basically in the same number of parts as the uh, Serastus legs. Yep. So you can pose them however pose you like. Pose the knee joints and all that sort of stuff. Exactly, yeah. which I've done with Magnus and uh, Edward in the in the Gallant and the Warden. So they're both mm -hmm. in different poses, which is great because then I don't have three dudes with the same leg set up, um, which you'd get otherwise with the plastic kits. <laughs> Yeah, very cool. By the way, uh, if anybody wants alternate Primarchs, apparently Soldark.ru also does alternate Primarch models. Yeah, they also do the old Robotech stuff. Uh, Rob sorry, Robogear, not Robotech. Difference. Yeah. Subtle difference. Um, but yes, so like pretty good oh, right. conversion fodder. And also apparently a whole lot of um, ripped off Battlefleet Gothic stuff. Yes. Cool. Yeah. They've got, <laughs> yeah. They're Russian. They do a few things. Good old Russians. Um, I quite like them for the night legs. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, that sounds like hobby hacks. Maximum mm -hmm. gallantry for hobby hacks. Love it. Indeed. So um, that's actually a pretty pretty chunky episode. I think we've just crossed the uh, the three-hour barrier. Um, so, look, I, I think that'll do us for what is, I want to say it's episode 75, Maximum Gallantry. Uh, if you're looking to get in touch with us for some strange reason, uh, you're more than welcome to find us at the Loaded Dice podcast across Facebook and Instagram. And as always, you can slide into our emails at theloaderdicecast at gmail.com. We'd love to see some photos uh, and hear about people's own free blades and night houses because I know tons of people have them. And it's some of the most uh, evocative narrative out there. And we love that sort of stuff. So, yeah, Doug, take us away. Yeah, so that's it. Until next time, keep your powder dry and your dice loaded.